ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the clubhouse. This is episode 110 for the Los Angeles Lakers back-to-back. The Green Bay Packers, San Francisco Giants, or the Chicago Blackhawks episode. I am your host, as always, Tej Butler. Sitting next to me, my good buddy, my good pal, Big Dill. How you doing today, man? Yeah, doing well on a nice uh, Tuesday night. Yeah. About ready to roll into hump day. About ready to watch some Tampa Bay Lightning play. A little Los Angeles Kingage. Yeah. 10.30 Eastern Time. 7.30 local. Sure, sure. Right now, watching a little uh, Carolina-Boston beatdown. So, you know, got that going on here. But just watching the ticker go and having a good old night. Yeah, this is not very good hockey game. <laughs> um, but we got it on. Doge. You got anything on all the way up there in Cleveland, or are you just uh, enjoying a lovely night? Enjoying a, a lovely night. <laughs> uh, we got hell of a lot of snow these last couple of days. Sure. So it's nice to be in with the heat on and vibing with the boys for the pod. Yep. <clears throat> Not, we got a great pod for you, by the way. Not just any old, ordinary pod. Because uh, it's, not, it's not an ordinary week, Doge. Bengals won their first playoff game. Yeah. 31 years. Freaking who day. So, we had to bring on some special guests for that, of course. Um, we had to bring on our Bengals correspondent, our friend, uh, Lindsey Patterson, to talk a little Bengals, preview a little Titans there. And then we had to bring on one of our favorite people, um, one of our favorite Bengal fans, the man who has allowed us to go to so many tickets uh, as he was a season ticket holder who couldn't make it to all of his games. So we're talking to my Uncle Tim, who was in the stadium, um, uh, has been a season ticket holder for 26 years, about uh, the playoff game, what it was like to see that win. So we talked to him uh, and Lindsay in kind of our first half of the episode. Uh, first quarter will be Lindsay, second quarter will be Uncle Tim. And then in the third quarter, we're going to preview the rest of the NFL playoffs there for you uh, and just talk about the rest of the matchups. And then the fourth quarter, uh, with the NBA trade deadline being only a month away, we kind of preview some of the major names on the market or other people that could be on the move. So stay tuned for that. We've got a little uh, little NBA flavor sprinkled onto this NFL pod for you here at the end. But, ladies and gentlemen, first thing we got to do, as always, you know, we don't, you know, we're well-trained, you know, pod podcasters but we don't want to get hurt we want to make sure we're warmed up stretched out yep. ready to give a good show for you guys so we can come back and do it again so first things first let's warm it up Doge, you got some snow up there in cleveland so i imagine you need to warm it up extra give it give it to us man what do you got you were right about that man well unfortunately a little bad news from my my side of uh the soccer fandom in um, yeah. rooting for Dortmund across the pond there in Germany. Um, they they had a shocker loss uh, in the DFB Pokal, which is like the German Super Cup, essentially. Whoa, yeah. Crazy. And they, they lost to St. Pauli, St. Pauli, who is just awful. And it's just <clears throat> really tough to see that, especially, especially since a lot of the news around the team yeah. is just talking about how Holland is going to leave, mm-hmm. where he's going. None of it's about them being, you know, in second place, just right on Byron's tail. So, although that wasn't a Bundesliga match, we didn't lose points for that. 
it's tough because you want to be able to compete in those and you want to win those trophies, but hopefully that means that they can turn their, their focus over to winning those matches in the Bundesliga and hopefully getting those games that matter for the for the actual standings in the Cup. But tough loss for them, and, you know, it's it's tough with all the other news going around for Holland as well. So Yeah, he's big-time linked to Madrid, it seems like. And to, didn't you guys win that tournament last year, if I'm not mistaken? We, yeah, we did. So it's, so it's tough to be out in that, too. That's a massive bummer, man. Ugh. Yeah. But, yeah, either they're saying Madrid or Man City. Um, okay, Doge. There you go. For Holland's move. So, I mean, it's uh, it's tough. I would love to see him stay there and, and win a, a title with Dortmund, but it's uh, looking like that won't be the case. So you got to hope at least he's going to your EPL Man City team, though, at least, right? They're not... Yeah. They're not even much my team anymore ever since they've just been spending dirty money, it seems like. So I'm, yeah. I'm out of it. Break rules. I'm not, I'm not with them anymore. <laughs> well, hey, listen, I'm glad we got that on record. So looks like <laughs> you could be a Madrid guy coming soon, sounds like. No, no, we'll, we'll see about that. I'm joking. Um, but it, <laughs> it will be tough to see, um, like usual, the Dortmund guys get poached off by bigger clubs when – if you just get a couple of those guys to stay for a little bit, you guys could have a really, really good club. So Right. It feels but, like we're just selling and then making money that we can't ever use because we're always just producing young guys that we sell. <laughs> yep. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, okay, well, I'll go for my warm-up here. Um, pretty exciting day in the NBA. Um, you know, one of those days – where they kind of schedule all the teams and they want, you know, some really good matchups is uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, it was a great day for the Celtics. Uh, they've recently had two come-from-behind wins, which is very abnormal. I mean, if you've listened to me talk about the Celtics this year, uh, on or off the pod. Um, so it was nice to see them come back and beat the Bulls, who, like we mentioned, um, or we'll be mentioning on this pod, excuse me, later, are the number one team in the East. And then also a comeback win against the Pelicans on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. But there were some other um, games on that day that were, uh, you know, good matchups like the uh, the Bulls and the Grizzlies. We had some Bucks hawks matchup there that was a close game. Um, Lakers-Nuggets was not as close, but that was a, a game on there. Uh, Cavs-Nets, uh, not televised, although televised here in the Ohio markets, was a great game um, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, so really cool Um day for the nba they do a great job of promoting that and putting on great games um so it's really cool to see that and uh to be quite honest with you it's always nice to uh be at work and have ni- a nice little distraction when the celtics are playing at 12 30 on a work day you can just toss that up on the old laptop um and, and catch a little little C's basketball so uh, that was nice little you know kind of like a march madness vibe almost if you will uh for me there uh in the office uh yesterday so phil what do you got for your warm-up here yeah so i just wanted to discuss now that we have seen the conclusion of the arizona cardinal season yeah uh as of yesterday night in the slaughtering of the cardinals by the rams did they look bad man and they were like talked about as Oh, definite number one seed i think you know seven and oh looking strong and then it was just I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and be honest. I think I owe like I have at least a percentage of blame in this because I looked right at Dylan before this game, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, Dylan, yeah, 
of all the crappy games that we had this weekend, thank God we've got this game on Monday night between these two teams who should have pretty good high-powered offenses and, and really want this and have played each other. Like This is going to be a great game. So I don't know what percentage of, of the Cardinals' loss i got to eat myself, but I will take at least 1% or you know, up, to, up to 5 Uh But either way, man, I... I jinxed them, but that was such a horrible game from the Cardinals, dude. Oh, carry on. I just wanted to say I, I got to take some blame because I, I totally jinxed them. Yeah, so essentially, I'm just going to read off some stats and just kind of go from you, there. And then just, you know. Are you, are you just about to get Cliff fired right now? So this is strictly since uh, DeAndre Hopkins was hurt. And didn't show up, right? So, they lost to the Rams. Uh, Let me just go over their last couple games here. Yeah. Last couple games of the season, I'll go through the opponents and kind of talk about it from there. So, sorry, I just pulled up. Come on, Stats team, come on. All right, so the last game that he played was uh, against the Rams. Yeah. Right? So, people talk about how they kind of fell off at the end of the season. Well, okay, they lost the Rams, tough divisional opponent, understandably, right? Yep. Then, this is when it starts going downhill. Next game, lose by 18 in Detroit to yep. a team that just lost by 28. Yep. Uh, or, excuse me, the they just lost by 18 or something like that to the, um, no, it was 28. To the Broncos. So, downhill from there. Okay. That was a massive loss. Then they ended up losing against the Colts on Christmas, and they just looked terrible. And then, they had their one win out of the last five games, which was Kyler going to AT&T Stadium, of which everyone knows now that he still has not lost a game there. Ever. Then you lose against the Seahawks last game of the season, end up losing the uh, division, and you face the Rams at the Rams. Tough. So, from there, they only averaged 18.8 points a game. Yeesh. Kyler only averaged 223 uh, yards in the air a game. He had five touchdowns and two picks in five games. The two picks isn't bad, but you need more production out of him. He wasn't like that all year. He was lighting it up, you know? Kind of the I mean, same way. They just way don't of... really have, like, weapons, though. Like, they really don't. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you A.J. Green is, like, a big-time weapon anymore. Like, he's awesome, sure. but, like, he's not the same. Christian Kirk is fine. A.J. Green, Zach Ertz, James Conner. Like, there were people they could have tried to use more, and they just, like, I don't know. I, I just feel like they just couldn't do anything. Like, they lost everything. I just don't think any of those people are really, like, that good anymore. Zach Ertz might be the one guy, but even still, he's old. Yeah. I just think that... I don't know. Anyway. So then, go on to completion percentage <clears throat> of only 63%. And just... What are they doing, man? Like, come on. Dude... They didn't that have game a first was em- down. that game was embarrassing. It was twenty one like, nothing. It was different. That, it was diff- that wasn't just a loss. Like that was an embarrassing. 
embarrassing loss. Like, honestly. like. Yeah, it was over at half, even though the Rams were only up 21 instead of 28 because they didn't get the, uh, the last drive. You know, they kind of, oh my God, this is ridiculous. It seemed like it was over Im- almost immediately. Yeah, it was it was bad, man. It was bad. But we'll see if this is actually the difference. You know, moving into next year, if they have different pieces or do they have kind of like the same offense. And if DeAndre is just really good, and it's just as soon as he's in the lineup. He, I mean, he's clearly a massive X factor. I'm just saying, like, when you go from DeAndre Hopkins to then A.J. Green, because you have to double DeAndre Hopkins so then everybody else is open. If you don't have to double anybody, like, you can shut down everybody else on their team fairly easily. Especially the Rams with Jalen Ramsey, who can cover a Zach Hurts, you know, with his how big he is and how good he is. So, I don't know. I just think DeAndre Hopkins is a massive factor, but the the Cardinals, are they've got to figure it out. Have you, do you see the stat about Cliff, like, in his career? About, like, how he ends seasons? Have you seen uh-huh. that one? Oh, man. Did you see that stat, Doge? Dozier? I did not see that, no. Let me find it here. Like, at Texas Tech, and then... Yeah. The last half of the season, is it that one? Yeah. Let's see if I can find it. Man, where did I see that? Maybe I missed it. can't find it it was like every season he started off like you know 10 and 0 9 and 0 you know whatever something like really really incredible start and then he he's like and then to end the season he'd lose six of seven lose five of seven lose six of seven lose seven of seven like he just never finishes a season wow like with a positive record ever going back to texas tech so this is like pretty much his mo. Um, so interesting. Maybe that's just what that's a cliff team. Like that's how it works. I heard somebody Pat was saying on his show Pat McAfee. Maybe it's like a thing where Cliff just opens up the playbook at the beginning of the year. Like hey, we're just we're running all our plays, and then as the year goes on, people just figure it out, and so then they're you know there's nothing else that they add to it or something. I don't know, but yeah, interesting. So maybe it has nothing to do with DeAndre. It's purely Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Could be some pure that, Cliff. Yeah, that theory would make sense with the uh, numbers I was running. Because he didn't have a game that was over 300 yards either. And, like, I know Kyler's a running threat too, but, like, he doesn't do that either. Like, he didn't do right. any of that yesterday. Like, he got sacked a lot. He had pressure the whole time. They didn't look good in any phase of the ball. Like, that was – that whole – none of it looked like it was a well-coached team to go into that game. They just look underprepared, and dude, the Rams came out and were hitting. The Rams, like you look, you kind of like all season. We were kind of like, ah, eh, you know what? Are the Rams like they spent a lot of money? Is it gonna be worth it? It looked like every single player that they had spent money on was like, all right, it's time to freaking go. It's like, almost like we forgot that they went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago with Jared Goff. 
Right. And they have most of the same pieces and added more. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like they should be talked about as one of the best teams, but they just haven't been. No. So right. Matt Stafford's un- he's unproven, you know. That was his first uh, postseason victory, so good for Matt Stafford. Definitely good for Stafford, there's no doubt. Oh, I think the, the Cliff Kingsbury thing was deleted. <laughs> That's why I can't find it. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, not a great stat. Not a good look for Cliff there. All right, well, uh, let's move on then here to our, uh, our first quarter with Lindsey Patterson as we discuss a Bengals playoff win. Hootay Doge, and uh, what we can expect against the Titans. So, Hootay, let's move on here to our first quarter. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so excited to have this guest on because we are talking playoff football, specifically Bengals playoff football, which means we have broken the drought. 31 years have gone by, and we have one of our favorite guests on, Lindsey Patterson. Lindsey, how are you doing today? Not too bad, but I think everybody who's a Cincinnati Bengals fan is feeling pretty much the same way on this Tuesday night. Absolutely. I think everybody's jacked up. I know I am. Been a great week so far. Doge, how about you all the way up in Cleveland there? How are you doing, man? I am doing so great. (laughs) Best I've felt in 31 years. (laughs) I love to hear that. So uh, before we get into this real quick, Lindsay, I just want to go over some quick stats about some stuff that was happening 31 years ago. Um, not sure if you know some of this stuff, but gas prices, it was a dollar and 10 cents a gallon 31 years ago. The top song of the year was Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. Top movie was Terminator. The Giants defeated the Bills in the Super Bowl, and if you wanted a ticket to that, it was going to cost you around 150 bucks. So a lot of things have changed, especially that Super Bowl ticket. That's a lot more expensive now, that's for sure. Um, but uh, we want to know, where did you watch this game? Um, were you at the stadium? Were you at home with some family like me and uh, Dylan were with some family and friends? Or were you actually in the stadium enjoying the atmosphere there? Yeah, I was in the game. Oh, uh, I went with all my family, and it was a really good time. It was crazy vibes because all around the city, I'll say this, on Friday night, I was at the Holy Grail for uh, James Rapine. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with him. He was having kind of a little get-together for fans and just the media. So I went there on Friday night, and you could tell the vibes and excitement felt like post-game celebration already. Everyone was excited. The nerves weren't really there until the next morning. You you see the tailgate, you see the people out and about, the signs, the balloons. Everyone's excited. Obviously, they feel different because Joe Burrow's the quarterback, but the atmosphere is just something that I'm going to remember forever. But at the moment, watching the game, it was still kind of a shock because they finally ended it. It was such a nerve-wracking game watching at home. I know, uh, I'm sure Dylan can attest, he was sitting watching there, me standing up and sitting down and pacing and walking around and changing shirts and whatnot. I'm a superstitious guy, so it was such a crazy game. And the Raiders seemed like they'd been that team all year long that had found a weird way to come back and win some of these games. And they had made it all the way down to the goal line. So it was just such a crazy, crazy game. Um, And... You know, I'm glad I got to watch it with some family and friends. Glad you were at the stadium. I know my uncle and some other uh, family members were at the game, and they said they had a great time. So, um, Doge, real quick, what did you do for the game? So, I uh, I had to miss a little bit of it 
Oh. I was uh, started watching it, and then about a month ago, I had <laughs> Cleveland Orchestra tickets with my grandpa mm. that we had booked, my grandpa and my cousin. So uh, all the way there, and even while we're sitting in the concert hall, I've got my AirPods in just listening to the radio broadcast from 700. I love uh, it. And uh, <laughs> I got to catch the end of the game just before um, the concert started up at 8, so it was huge. Heck yeah. But didn't get to watch it, but I had it recorded, uh, so when I came home, I actually... Just cut all the commercials and watch the whole game since I pretty much missed missed watching it back in my place. I love that. All right, well, uh, <clears throat> Doge, I know you've got a question, so I'll just give it right back to you. What do you got here for our next one? Absolutely. So, obviously, there were a bunch of huge plays, <clears throat> but it all kind of came to the the very, you know, final moment of Jermaine Pratt uh, picking that ball off. And I wanted to see, Lindsay, you know, what was – the stadium reaction, your reaction, and I know you were with your family. Your dad's been a long-time season ticket holder. So, like, what was that reaction there when that happened? To be completely honest, and I feel so terrible having this mindset, <laughs> but in, in my mind at that moment, I thought the Raiders were going to score and they were going to go for two. Yeah. And um, the game was going to be over because I felt like the Raiders were playing with house money. They backed into the playoffs, got a little bit of help. Yeah, I mean, they, they had a pretty up and down good season. But, you know, on the road, not a lot of people are picking you to win. I just had this feeling in that moment that's how it was all going to end because that is the same area that Jeremy Hill fumbled. So it just felt like everything was just going to go all the wrong way or there was going to be an alternative. Joe Burrow was going to have just a little bit of time to come down the field and have the game winner. So during that moment, that last play, I'll be completely honest with you. I said it on social media today that I see a lot of celebrations, videos, people filming the last play and my eyes were closed. I couldn't watch it. I'm sure I was grabbing the person next to me, their arm, because I was so nervous at that moment. But I I think one of the coolest moments after the interception, a lot of people just looked around at each other like, did that really happen? Is it over? And then the celebration just went off, and it was really cool. But, yeah, we've seen some heartbreakers. So, unfortunately, that was my mindset during that last play. Yeah, I know sitting at home, you just, like, I was just waiting, like, here we go, here come the Raiders, like, they're just going to keep crawling back, and they're going to pull this off. I definitely was worried about the going for two as well, so uh, <clears throat> so glad that they got it done. Um, I was running around the house screaming. I went outside. We have this old, uh, funny enough, we had this old bell that we had in our deck that my mom used to ring when she wanted to bring us all home for dinner when we were all scattered about the neighborhood. So I went out and rang that and screamed who day along with my brothers and stuff. So that was my reaction to it because I couldn't really believe that it happened, that's for sure. But um, super awesome time. I don't know, Doge, you probably had a quieter reaction sitting at the <laughs> orchestra, um, that's for sure. But uh, what was, was your like reaction 14. when you saw when you saw the play, um, like when you went back and watched it again? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was sweet to see it. Um, you know, go back and actually watch the replay of it all. But yeah, in the in Severance Hall up here in Cleveland, it was a lot of silent fist pumping and <laughs> bumped my grandpa. He was saying, "You picked it off," you know, like I was, I was going nuts. So yeah, I was total, <laughs> total opposite uh, reactions for us. But uh, Dylan's kind of a neutral bystander. What was your reaction to the game or um, your final moments watching it? So, you know, watching it, you know, I. Started watching it at the end of the first quarter, I believe, when it was um, seven nothing at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it just felt like 
even though the Raiders played so terribly to like just beat themselves, like not necessarily played terrible, but they just kept beating themselves with yeah, penalties, penalties and turnovers right. and and then the Bengals uh weren't able to capitalize by putting it, you know, into the end zone for six, right? They they settled for field goals, which thankfully you guys drafted, you know, the Florida kicker. Yeah. Uh, you know, Evan McPherson, which has turned out to be huge for you guys this Big year time. of just being able to convert for points, right? And keep the momentum going, just building off of that. And, you know, you guys scored, what, 12 points off of field goals? I believe so, yeah. So, I think you had four field goals, right? So, it was just something that, in the first half, I was like, man, this is going to be, this is going to be tough. This is going to be going down to the end. And I've seen the Raiders, you know, when I visited, uh, when I was up in Cleveland for the Raiders-Browns game on that weird 5 p.m. Monday night game like oh yeah they just kind of hung around and they didn't really play well but then they ended up having you know Carlson go out there and, and bang a game winner uh, against the Browns of Cleveland so <clears throat> I was waiting for something like that to happen and that's just something that I've seen in Cincinnati for so long right just those things happen and the penalties and this and that and then it finally didn't happen you know what I mean and right. I thought for sure, there was gonna be like a pass interference at the end, or defensive holding, or something, right? Hands the illegal hands the face, or some sort of like everyone's in this like shock, and then there's like that late flag or something. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, here we go, totally. Or but, yeah, booth review or something. You yeah, know what I, mean? I like, mean, like who knows? They got the timeout off, but, but yeah, yeah. It, it's you know cool <clears throat> and first time that I you know realized that like a lot of people haven't seen like ever seen that in their life. So it's no, just, it's I wild. Mean, no, I haven't. I certainly had not. Right. And Doge had not. Um, so that was very cool. But I want to say one awesome thing uh, as we kind of transition to the next question here that um, kind of happens with the Bengals, what happened with the Bengals, is Zach Taylor seems to be a, a real kind of guy of Cincinnati, <clears throat> a real kind of like Midwestern guy or somebody you can really root for. After Earlier this season, after one of the wins, he raced home and, um, you know, went to uh, his son's basketball game and, and wore the uh, you know the AFC North champ shirt, and the whole crowd got excited for that. And so, you kind of wonder how he could top something like that. Um, and <clears throat> he goes out, and then goes to um, the uh, tavern over in uh, Mount Adams with Kevin Huber, and gives a game ball to the bar and all the local fans there, which is just one of the coolest things um, you know I've heard of in a long time. Are there any other cool victory stories that you heard of, Lindsay, of the players doing stuff or um, any other, you know, um, players going out to celebrate after the win or maybe even some old players or other, you know, things that you and your family did to celebrate uh, the playoff win? I think one of the biggest things is COVID is definitely a factor in those post-game celebrations. No so doubt. I think the players are pretty, uh, they're pretty quiet, not a whole lot going on. I'm sure they're, they're getting out and celebrating when they can, but since it's such a short week and turnaround, they went right back to work on Sunday. But no, with, with Zach Taylor in general, um, obviously after the Kansas City game, he went to his son's game, went to watch that, and then you see what he's doing at, at the area bars. What I found so great about what Zach Taylor did and what he said is, the next day he talked to the media and everybody goes, well, what, when did you come up with that idea to give the game ball to 
to the city like recently and he said it was three years ago he was driving by the the mount lookout tavern and just thinking that you know when this moment finally happens the city these fans they deserve it and zach taylor was asked about the curse the 31 years a lot over the last couple weeks and he just said you know obviously this is a different team we're thinking about you know the future and these guys you know it just we're not thinking about that but for him to bring it up as soon as the game ends he knew how excited this fan base in the city is to finally move on get that playoff win behind them and um, just really cool to see what Zach Taylor's doing behind the scenes the culture that I keep hearing over the last three years even during the down years and these guys are believing in them and I I think they have their guy and that's what's really refreshing too when you have number nine but you also you you might have your coach on the sideline too yep no doubt I think they are a great connection and they they work very well in Cincinnati sometimes you might have a a, a brand or a team like that, but they don't work necessarily with the city. But it seems like those guys really fit in with Cincinnati and really kind of uh, emanate, you know, what what the city means and stuff too. So, um, Dill, going on to you. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned a little bit like looking towards the future. So looking oh, yeah. for this next week, uh, we know a couple yet. couple of the Bengals a uh, little bit banged up. We know Larry Ogunjobi is out with his uh, foot, uh, right? foot injury. I believe, but what are you hearing or what do we know as far as like potential players coming back um, that we saw leave the um, game last week a little bit early? I think there's a little bit of optimistic news going into this week of practice because the concussion protocol starts for Trey Hendrickson starting today. And for him to be limited on the practice report is never a bad thing when he's going through that. Obviously, he's going to be taking it easy with the game being on Saturday. But I think that is your biggest thing. Look, you have Derrick Henry. He might not be 100%. He might be 70%, but he's still Derrick Henry on the other side of the ball. I think it's extremely important to have your healthy guys there on, on the defensive line. So I think that's obviously all eyes on Trey Hendrickson if he's going to be back, and they will more than likely sign a couple guys, practice squad. Um, and you're, you're not—they're not bringing in Geno Adkins anytime soon. I know a lot of people <laughs> want to do that, but that will not be happening I'm... this week. I feel pretty sure about that. So don't look for him to come back in. But um, obviously, I think all eyes are on Trey and, and just how this week goes when it comes to injuries. Because knock on wood. So far, so good when you're in postseason right now and the help they have on offense and defense. Absolutely, yeah. I, I've uh, As much as I love Geno, I'd like somebody who's been playing all season to, to be out there, hopefully. Look, the Rams um, took even though he's Sam Weddle off, you know, I think Eric they said... Eric Weddle, right? Uh, or Eric Weddle, yeah. Off Sam the couch. Weddle, I was thinking about it. Anyway, <clears throat> Eric Weddle, yeah. Um, the Rams. He could play like two and, snaps, though, man. Yeah, hey, I'm just saying. Like, maybe you just need him for those two snaps, but... No, I, I'm I'm agreeing with you guys, but I just thought it'd That's be funny. funny. So no, a lot of people have brought that up. I've seen that going on everywhere for sure. Right. <clears throat> so, you know, with Derrick Henry, you mentioned you know needing that strong uh, defensive line presence. That's good. To um, That's exciting. You know, how do you think overall that you know the Bengals are going to stack up? Um, is the offensive line going to hold up? Uh, you know, what are what are we looking like, you know, against the Titans on Saturday? Yeah, I think the offensive line going into even the first playoff game, a lot of people had question marks. I mean, you're dealing with some injuries out there. You got Quinn Spain. Trey Hopkins is playing better at center, but the guard mm-hmm. and right tackle position are still something to keep an eye on. And credit to Jonah Williams this past game at left tackle. Yeah. I, I felt like he had a pretty good game. And, and overall, not too bad for this team. That's still going to be a concern when you go into Tennessee. I, I think right now, 
you've got to go and put points on the board early. Don't defer. Get out there. Go ahead because you don't want to get into a position where you're starting out slow and the Titans have their weapon in Derrick Henry where they can just control the entire game. But for me personally, I think when you have number nine out there, this team is better on the road right now. They're five and three. They're nine and four in the AFC. And I I like the Bengals receivers versus the Titans secondary right now. Mm -hmm. I, I think if you were going to pick the best matchup for this team I think the Bengals they got a nice one because if he's going to Kansas City or playing Buffalo right now and I'm not saying the Titans are going to be easy because look anything can happen on Saturday but for me personally if you were to pick where you wanted Cincinnati to go and you look at this matchup I think Tennessee is the best one for them and look the Titans might feel the same way when you look at the Bengals and obviously the offensive line will still be a concern but I feel like they held they held up pretty good against the Raiders so I, I look for Joe Burrow to put the ball in his hands he's a different kind of Joe a, a January Joey out there and uh, he's been on a, on a little bit of a streak right now so I, I think this guy just he's different he has a different mindset and I think that's why a lot of people felt differently going into this postseason game this past week because when you have him anything is possible and and nothing really phases Joe I think one of the things that really stood out for me personally is watching the Kansas City Chiefs game and then the playoff game Joe came off the field last and he had a smile a little bit of a smirk but he Hmm. didn't do a whole lot of you know cheering all pumped up excited he did just a few fist bumps and 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 he went into the locker room and it was business as usual for him so this guy is he's different and I think that's what makes the biggest difference maker going into this game versus the Titans but I I like the quarterback and receivers versus the Titans secondary right now January Joey is there a nickname that doesn't work for Joe Burrow they all seem to to seem like they should stick they're all Joey franchise Jackpot, Jackpot, Joey. He has them all. It it works for him. They definitely all work. So, um, well, um, let's say we're going to all knock on wood collectively here. Um, Let's say we do advance um, and move on and beat the Titans. And and let's say Joe Burrow goes out there, throws a great game. Uh, Ryan Tannehill can't keep up with the points the Bengals can put up because I think that's going to be how we – we're probably going to beat the Titans there uh, with just Joe Burrow having a great game. Who would you rather face, um, which is a tough question there, between going to Buffalo or going to Kansas City um, if we do end up beating the Titans? Like I said, again, knock on wood. Um, would you rather be in Buffalo or Kansas City for that AFC Championship um, matchup? That's a really great question because obviously Kansas City wants a little bit of revenge and they'll yep. be at home. Yep. They know how to beat him when they have a guy like Jamar Chase, but they're going to have a different game plan going against Cincinnati. I think, just being realistic, I think Buffalo is going to win that game. And yeah. I love yeah. the matchup with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. I mean, it's not going to be easy at all. No, but that'd be fun though, I th- man. I think, I think they're the team to come out. And those two together, the Bills Mafia and the Bengals fans and Buffalo, I mean, that's just, I think that would just make for a great AFC Championship game. I'm not saying I'd rather see Buffalo, but I don't know if you want to see Kansas City twice in in a season. So I say, look, just give give them Buffalo. Give them Buffalo. Yeah, I, uh, I think I agree just because I think the revenge factor for the Chiefs would be too much there. And and who doesn't want to see Bengal Jim going over to, to Buffalo and hanging out with all those 
crazy Buffalo fans, and maybe he'll be jumping off a ta- or into a table or something like all those crazy fans do. So that'd be fun. Uh, Doge, what do you think? Chiefs or Bills, man? I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what Lindsey was saying. You know, it's it's really tough to beat a team twice in the year, yep. especially if they're the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's really tough. I think I would rather go into Buffalo and kind of test the mettle of, of Josh Allen and their team more than I would want to go into Arrowhead and and test the mettle of, of a really hot Chiefs team. Um, even though we already beat them, it was a close game, and uh, yeah, I would I would much rather see Buffalo at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bill, you agreeing? You rolling here with all of us, or are you are you saying we you know we already beat the Chiefs? We saw it live in person. Why not? Yeah. see it again. Yeah, we did. Uh, I just think that might be a little bit too much right now going up against a team that's been in the last two Super Bowls, right? Yeah, and Andy Reid, who's you know, he's obviously had his proven track record that, you know, maybe we can't do all these steps in one year for the Bengals. You know, you have to kind of lead up to it. But maybe against the Bills, you know, they aren't necessarily proven yet. You know, they've had exits, and they, although they had a close game last year against the, the Chiefs, um, only losing by four, you know, that franchise hasn't been there either. So, like, right. they've got some sort of curse going in as well. So. True. Yeah, you know that could be that something curse, to look forward back, to. Right? You know, it's a little bit different of a reason why you guys have. You would think too, the Chiefs would probably try to double Jamar Chase or change up the coverage a little bit on him this time. They've so. shown to play well in big games, right? You know, and I think they would probably find a way to do that. You know, and even though the Bengals are good on the road, I just think that all of these things happening in one postseason might be. Too much to be asking for. Sure, you know? sure. No. Um, okay, Lindsay, I've got one last question for you, then we're going to let you go. Enjoy the rest of your victory week before we have to take on the Titans. Um, who do you have as the biggest X factor in this game, whether that's a Titan, maybe being Derrick Henry, or uh, someone on the Bengals uh, in this playoff game here Saturday? Oh, that's a good one. And it's just so easy to go and say it's going to be a wide receiver, it's going to be Joe Burrow. I think the biggest factor for me, honestly, because it was going to be the talk going into this game, it's going to be the talk so far at Titans practice. It's it's just easy to go Derrick Henry. I've said it before. Obviously, what the Titans have been able to do without Derrick Henry is pretty unbelievable. But for this team, if Cincinnati, I, I would not be surprised if they had the decision to get the ball first on offense or mm-hmm. first in the second half, they decide to go. And I think that's going to be the smart move because you don't want him to determine the game. You want Joe Burrow to determine yep. how this is going to go. You want Joe Burrow to be the deciding factor. And if it's a shootout, it's a shootout. But at the same time, it can get ugly fast. And the no thing doubt. is, when you look at a lot of the Bengals games this season, they don't have a lot of ugly games. And the only times they do that, you look at the Browns, you look at the Chargers game, they gave the game away early. Mm-hmm. So Joe's different. He looked pretty comfortable out there against the Raiders in his first NFL postseason game. So, you know, I, I guess we're a little bit conditioned to how it has looked like in the past with, with, with other quarterbacks. No offense to Andy Dalton. But <laughs> I think that... No offense. I think it's 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 pretty softball easy easy answer, but I still feel Derrick Henry. I, I want to see what this guy looks like. Obviously, he hasn't been activated just yet, but I feel like they'll wait towards the end of the week. That's a nice little game plan for them. 
and uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be the X factor for me right now. Uh, yeah, I think I I want to agree, but I think I'm gonna go because I'm hoping, like you're mentioning, we get off to an early lead, um, and and the Titans have to start throwing the ball. I think Ryan Tannehill is gonna end up being the X factor in this game. Um, I'm hoping it's not gonna be. Derrick Henry, because if it is Derrick Henry, I think that's a quick way for the Bengals to lose this game if he's having a great game. So I, I think we need to try to get it in Ryan Tannehill's hands as quick as possible, uh, which means going down and scoring early, like you mentioned, probably even coming out um, off the coin toss and going for it. So I'm going to say Ryan Tannehill, but I think it'll probably be Derrick Henry too, uh, just because it's going to be his first game back. I bet he's eager to make an impact as well. Uh, Dylan, who do you have as the X Factor in this game? I'm going to be a little bit different again. I'm going to go off the field. Ooh. little defensive guy. See what Vrabes is going to draw up Vrabes, against the Bengals. Yeah. You know, I'm just curious to see, you know, what he his... smoked them last time with the Titans. So right. I bet he's eager to play us, too. What his uh, plan of attack is, or plan of defense, I guess. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's who I'm going to be, I don't know, kind of looking at. Kind of yeah, seeing how things go. I bet he's eager to play us because we, we Joe Burrow looked really good against the Titans in his first year against them, so I'm sure he's ready to try to stop him. Doge, who do you have as the X Factor? Vrabel, Henry, Ryan Tannehill, maybe Joe Burrow, Uno in the house. What do you got? So I've got a different one than than all of you guys. I love it. It's kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of depending on on really what comes of it, but um, I'm gonna say Sam Hubbard. Sure. Should should we not have Trey Hendrickson back, which I'm I'm thinking we will. Yeah. It's sounding good. But Sam Hubbard was the next biggest, you know, pressure on that line. He was able to get through in that game against the Raiders, and if we can keep them pressured and really hold that line strong, and he has a really positive game, I think that's gonna do a lot for our defense. Um, especially there just fighting in the trenches. And if the defense can pull it out and stop them, I know our offense can score. So I think that's going to be the biggest X factor for us kind of moving into this game. <clears throat> Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, Lindsay, hopefully we can have you back on again next week to talk about a Bengals win after the Titans or maybe even for the Super Bowl. Hope, you know, we get there. But let's let's take one game at a time, one interview at a time, and we'll wrap this one up. And we just want to say thank you again so much for your time. Um, if there's anything you want to plug or promote, um, the floor is yours. Um, and uh, one final who day as well for you. It sounds good, guys. I'm really excited about it, and uh, hopefully they take care of business on the road and get that first divisional road playoff game, and uh, who day. Who day. Um, all right, well, thank you very much. We appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon or uh, to wrap up the season or something. So thank you very much. We appreciate it. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Excellent. Bye. All right, next we're going to bring on our special guest, my Uncle Tim, who's a season ticket holder for the Bengals for 26 years and um, one of the guys who donates tickets to us all the time. So we're happy to have him on to talk about a Bengals playoff win. So here is my Uncle Tim. Yeah, how are you? Good. Let me do a little intro for you, and then we'll talk a little Bengals with you. All right. <clears throat> all right. What's going on, Tim? Hey, guys. Hey, how are we doing? Good. All right. Three. Two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever seen a photo of us at a Bengals game, uh, it's likely because of this man. He's uh, taught us all about the Hootay Nation. He's gotten us 
some other great stuff. He's one of our favorite Bengal fans to check in with. Um, he's one of the people who started off the season not as optimistic as us as well. So it's exciting to talk to him here after a playoff win. It is my Uncle Tim. Uncle Tim, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Who day, boys? Who day? Who day? So I know the last time uh, you were in the stands at a playoff game, it did not go as well. I know Dozier's there for that one, too. But what was it like being in the stadium when Jermaine Pratt picked that ball off? I'm sure it was probably a little moment of disbelief at first. But what was your reaction in the stadium with the rest of the crew that you'd been with for so long watching that game? I think it was the same as everybody else. We all went berserk, jumping up and down, screaming and yelling. Um, I mean... I've never heard the stadium that loud in the 26 years I've had tickets there. So it was yeah. an amazing, amazing event. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, I know we were we were going crazy. I mentioned on the pod a bit earlier that uh, we went out and rang the old bell that we had out uh, outside in the back porch and we're screaming who day out in the house and being all loud and crazy. So that was funny. And then uh, Doge, he was actually at a – um, were you at the orchestra, you said, Doge, right? Yeah, I had uh, tickets the... to the Cleveland Orchestra that night, and while we were sitting in the concert hall getting ready for it to start, I'm sitting there with my AirPods in listening to the end of the game. I actually got to catch the end before the concert started, so that was pretty sweet. <laughs> Silent fist bumps all around. Um, so real quick, too, what would, can what can you compare the this playoff game uh, to some of the other playoff games you've been to in the past, or especially like, the pregame festivities or the outside the stadium. We were talking with uh, Lindsey Patterson just before this, and she was saying that it was one of the most memorable, uh, you know, pre and post game atmospheres she had been to. Were you getting the same, um, you know, atmosphere as well or same vibe? Yeah, I don't think I've. I mean, honestly, I don't think I've ever been to an event in Cincinnati that there was such a positive, hyped up vibe going on. I mean, I've been to playoff games and I've been to you know, other events in Cincinnati, whether it be UC, um, you know, or Reds, if people were hyped up. But this right. game, I mean, everywhere you went, everybody was positive and felt like this was going to be different. Um, and then after the game was insane. I mean, you couldn't hardly move down on the banks. There were so <laughs> many people trying to get in places. Everywhere you went, everybody was screaming who day and having a good time. And quite frankly, after walking across the suspension bridge and, total silence in 2015 yeah um, you know it's quite a different experience this time <laughs> yeah i bet it was a lot louder this time for sure and i gotta tell you i mean i looked at my crew as they were driving as the raiders were driving i'm like oh god please don't let this happen again i've been here so many times and uh you know when that everybody was on the edge of their seat and screaming and you know when jermaine pratt made that interception it was just bedlam yeah, that had to be such a good moment. I'm glad that you were there for that. I know we had the the, the little Marvin Lewis boycott there when we just needed some new blood in here. So um, good to see Zach Taylor and the guys getting a win. Um, so, Dill, I know you've got the next question here. What do you got for Uncle Tim? Yeah, so moving forward, you know, what, what do you think the Bengals are going to look like against the Titans? Uh, you know, what are you worried about? What are you, you know, hopeful for? Um, give us a breakdown of the matchup, you know, Saturday at 4.30 again against the Titans. Well, you know, I think you got to be positive. As what the Bengals have shown us all year is no matter who it is, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, they can 
you know, they can compete. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, a, a couple things that, you know, I look to is the first half of this last game, you know, we looked really strong and I felt like we kind of sat back a little bit too much in the second half after we had a little bit of a lead. So I'd like us to stay aggressive like we did against the Ravens and like we did against Kansas City. Yep. You know, and keep after it like we like we did in those two games. Um, we, we need to get a little bit more out of the running game, I think. Um, yeah. Get Mixon on the board, especially against a team like Tennessee. And I think everybody's concerned about the same thing. What's going on in our defensive line? You know, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. uh, Ogunjobi out and Trey Henderson and concussion protocol, B.J. Hill out. I mean, we need some bodies, um, you know. Can you get can you get Sheldon out there and get a big body on the line to eat up some space uh, along with DJ Reader or give Reader a break? So I, you know it's going to yeah. be interesting to see what they do on the line. And uh, you know I thought Jesse Bates really played good this last week. Incredible game for him. Yeah, game. he had some big plays. Yeah. Need some strong support from him again, like we did this last week. Yeah, he was. He made a he made a definite case for a big contract in that game for sure. And I think, you know, we played, obviously, with the Titans last year when they were at full speed um, and, you know, and, and came out with a win. So yep. uh, we should be going in there with a lot of confidence, know that we can play. We've played with the best in the AFC this year already. And, you know, let's go in and handle our business and and uh, show Nashville how the Hootie Nation parties. Absolutely. Heck, yeah. Doge, uh, I know you've got the next question. What do you got for us here? computer just rose up sorry guys <laughs> oh, you're good. um we're going score predictions here oh yes so uh t what was the over under that we had for the or oh was yeah that here so um the over under i believe was 40 uh 47. 47 and tennessee's a three and a half point favorite so with those with those lines looking at those tim what would you say the score prediction is you know are you a Hopeful, or are you feeling optimistic? You think we're going to get the win? What, what do you think the final score is going to look like? I'm thinking it could be an over game just because mm-hmm. our defense has got some challenges and could turn into a little bit more of a shootout. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm thinking it could be more like 33 28 Bengals. Probably going to be a close game just because they're a ball control team. Um, and then when we get the ball, we're probably going to fire right down the field and score. So, I'm thinking it, it could be a little higher scoring than the current line is, but those boys in Vegas know a little bit more than I do, so yeah, they, they inside track. They tend to make some money, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I've got. Uh, <clears throat> whew, I can't think. I'm trying to determine how. I think I've got Bengals 30, Titans 27. Like I'm saying, like your similar high scoring game there, fairly close um, shootout type game. Um, so that's what I've got. What do you have, Doge? You were kind of right around what I was thinking too, T. I was going to give us just a little bit more. I was going to say 31, give us four touchdowns and a field goal. So the Titans, 27, hopefully. Give them three tutties and a, and a couple field goals there. But I think it is going to be a really close game. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we're going to score more than, than we're giving credit for right now. <clears throat> yeah, I almost went 33, but I... I... Opted I mean, out. what's that big old Browns fan Dylan thing? Yeah, you know, right. He's so sitting in the background, just kind of taking it after last year. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, 
Well, hey, you know what? Things happen. But right. uh, I was just chuckling over here because, you know, I was thinking that, you know, initially, before you guys predicted your scores, I was thinking 31-27. So, there you go. Um, after that, I'll, I'll change it up a little bit. I want to keep it close enough where maybe there's like a missed kick from Randy Bullock oh, to how lose the game. Poetic with that. You know? And then he grabs his calf. Yeah. Yeah, and he grabs the wrong leg calf and falls and then rolls around and grabs the other leg. and No, but. You just put a smile on my face with that thought there, Joe. Not to was, wish the injury, one, but man, the miss kicked from Randy would be. So that's why I want to keep it close. Justice. Like I want to say like twenty three twenty maybe if it's like sure. low, low scoring. Okay. Um, the, here's the Vegas under for you. Just barely. That's why. Well, earlier I was like, oh, over, like yeah. for sure. It's tough to I get had those fi- extra points. Right? Yeah, I had fifty eight in my head. So. Yep. Um. <clears throat> okay, Uncle Tim. Uh, you're in the great state of Indiana. So you are able to legally bet. Are you going to be doing any uh, betting on the Bengals? They're minus, like we said, uh, Titans are minus three and a half. It sounds like we all had the Bengals to win. So are you going to do any plus 170 money line there? Are you going to do any minus three and a half spread? I know you could do a little fan duel, same game parlay, maybe Jamar Chase, anytime touchdown score, Bengals to win. Um, what would be your best bet for the weekend if you could take one? You know, I'm not a, I'm not as big a sports better as you guys are. Like as an example, after the game, I eventually found my way down to the Hard Rock, <laughs> had a little money on the craps table for the night. There you go. And late in the yeah, night, so I do have a little extra cash after that that um, that I could throw on. I'd probably look at some kind of a parlay. Sure. I haven't gotten to the details of it yet, but it certainly would be around the offense, and you know, probably touchdown for Jamar. Yeah. Yards from mixing, kind of, and, and Burrow, you know, total yards kind of thing. Yeah, that'd be a good one for sure. That could definitely get you get you going for sure. Spice up the Saturday afternoon with that. Um, yeah, I had uh, a little Jamar Chase anytime and Bengals to win last game. So I didn't, didn't get the Jamar touchdown, but we did get the win. So that's always nice. So I think I might just run that one back um, and see if we can't get a Jamar touchdown. I don't know. Uh, how the Tennessee corners are going to be matching up against those guys. I know last year uh, we lit that team up, but they did cut a bunch of people after that game. So I, I'm sure their their roster is quite different. Uh, I know they had the most rostered players on their team this year, but um, <clears throat> I think our yeah, it's our, always tough to bet on the our wideouts just because there's so many of them, right? There's so many opportunities for who can score, and it's who who's the defense giving us, and you know Joe's going to who. Who's, who's open and who's got the hot hand, so um, which is a great thing. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think reminds me of the old days of Chad and TJ. Yeah, and, and that crew. Yep, <clears throat> absolutely. Slim. Well, Chris Henry, Slim. Chris yeah. Henry. Um, I know. I bet the CJ Uzama touchdowns are probably some really good money because he's all you know. He's not as flashy of a name, but he does get a lot of looks down there, so he might be a good one to to sneak up on there too. So. Um, Dill, I know you've got the uh, you've got the next question for us here. What do you got? Yeah, so who's gonna be the X Factor yeah. this Sunday? Saturday, excuse me. Saturday. I was thinking Sunday. I've uh, said Saturday multiple times. I know it's Saturday. Yeah. Who's the X Factor we got Saturday? 
Wow, that's a tough question, man. Since I've already called, it's going to be a, a shootout. I can't, I can't go kicker or something like that. You could. Um, Extra points are huge. Before momentum in the pod previously, um, I said Ryan Tannehill because I think he's not going to be able to compete with Joe Burrow in the shootout. Dill, who you said? I said Vrabel, uh, Vrabel because I'm curious to see, you know, how he tries to break down the Bengals' offense, being a defensive guy himself when he played, and getting. Smacked in the face last year. Doe said Hubbard, right, if I'm not mistaken? I did. Yep. I took Sam Hubbard. And Lindsey Patterson took Derrick Henry. So that's what's all been said. Not that you need to pick something different, but that's just to maybe spark a little um, thought process for you there. Yeah, so let, you know, let's go a little wild card here, and let's go, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little shout-out to old Coach Lou. Sure. Say he's going to be the wild card because he's got to come up with some kind of scheme that's going to work against Henry with a depleted line, so... If he pulls that scheme off, we got ourselves a W. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely gonna be big on his shoulders. He's got a lot to to worry about this week trying to stop Derrick Henry. That's a that's a process for sure. But he's proven to have a good defense all year, so hopefully he can come up with something. Um, you know, we'll definitely see. So, all right, one last question for you, Uncle Tim. Um, big time knock on wood before I ask the question. Um, but, uh, who would you rather face or where would you rather, I guess, watch the game, um, if you were going to it and, or the Bengals were hoping to get a win, uh, the Buffalo Bills playing in Buffalo or going to Arrowhead in Kansas City and facing the Chiefs again. So, uh, who do you have or what would you rather do if the Bengals were to move on after Tennessee, knock on wood, obviously. I want to go back to, I want to go to KC and I want to take those boys down in there home field just because they talk so much smack after the last game with regards to the rest blew the game and yeah yeah all the other crap so let's go let's go take it to them right at home that would be great i know we uh i think it's gonna be tough to beat them a second time so i i think we buffalo might be where i'd rather be but i would certainly you know to beat them again would be incredible It'd really solidify hey the Bengals are a legitimate force to be reckoned with for sure. Now, so. if you know, if you ask me, maybe I misinterpreted the question. That's what I'd like to see happen. Or right. What I think might be a better place to go. Right. It's probably Buffalo, just because they've been so up and down, and they're, yeah. they're either dominating like they were this past week, or you know they they just don't show up. So I right. think that might be a better opportunity for us, as you stated, going beating Kansas City second time may not be easy. So going after the Bills might be a better opportunity for us to get to the get to the to the game so definitely definitely um yeah well okay well we really appreciate your time uncle tim we want to say thank you i don't know uh um are you planning on going to the game down in nashville or if they advance any further maybe super bowl you know knock on wood god forbid are you making it to that game with the the rest of your crew the old boys and and whatnot well i think we talked about nashville i don't know if we're going to make it there um but we definitely all talked, at least we all had a lot of who days talking afterwards. Right, yeah. So if they make it to the bowl, that we would definitely have to get there. So, um, Heck yeah. And you know how you always give everybody a shout-out. i got to give a shout-out. Yeah, my, give it to them. Right, go ahead. My, yeah, i got to give a shout-out to my buddy Hilly, who unfortunately passed away this last spring. He's the one who got me into the Bengals. <clears throat> um, you know, there's days I cursed him because I had to live through the 90s and all that pain, but 26 <laughs> years of season ticket holding, and unfortunately he didn't get to see this win 
but uh, yeah. I know he was watching from above and maybe had a little influence on what happened at the end of the game. So, um, you know, who day to him. Who day to Hilly for sure. Bears fan and getting having the ability to get you guys involved in a lot of the games. And, you know, unfortunately that means if Uncle Tim's going back to the games. I know, right. Less for us, right. They have been to you guys over the last five years. <laughs> yeah, less tickets for us. But, yeah, no, definitely a uh, massive shout-out to Hilly. I know – um, he always got me into Cool Red stuff or got me Cool Red's gear. And I know when I uh, go on and use the tickets that you guys so graciously let us use. And I know Dylan and Doge have capitalized on that. I always see up at the top um, Bill Hillier's Associates um, and always reminds me of him and, and makes me thankful for the opportunity that he gave us and uh, you know makes me thank him for getting you involved in the Bengals and stuff because it's been one of our favorite things to do. So we really appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate you guys and the old boys and whatnot uh, for keeping your friendship and tickets going on because it's allowed us to kind of do the same. So we really appreciate it. It's been it. awesome. And, you know, what was probably best of the whole thing was how the, the country really responded to it and how the media responded to it. And everybody was happy that the Bengals won, yeah. which was cool. And we finally got some props and some people getting on the on the Bengals bandwagon, myself included again. But uh, Yeah, Benny know, Boy I, too. I was, yep. it, was, it was cool to see how everybody reacted to it was positive and it feels like you know we turned a corner here and look forward to what the next few seasons bring for us and some championships yeah hopefully rather than later yeah hopefully like joe burrow said in his post-game interview uh, or maybe it was an interview uh, yesterday that this is the standard this is not an, an anomaly this is what we expect um and this is where we'd like to be every single year so hopefully we can keep uh bringing you back on for post-season interviews and talking uh maybe post-super bowl stuff too which would be awesome so Thank you so much awesome. for your time, Uncle Tim. We really appreciate it. Um, uh, have a great rest of your night. Thank you very much. All right, same to you guys. Who day? Yeah, who day? We'll see you. Right. Who day? See you Bye. later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we want, to, we want to give a big thank you to Lindsey Patterson and uh, Uncle Tim, uh, two of our favorite people to have on the show, two of our favorite people to talk bangles with. Um, so we're excited to do that with them. Uh, here in our first half of the show, but we're going to move on in here to halftime, yep. and I'm going to pass it over to you, Doge. Where can we find the Clubhouse-specific social media stuff? So we are on Facebook. It's The Clubhouse. Twitter and Instagram are Clubhouse underscore TCSN. Clubhouse underscore TCSN for the Cheap Seats Network. So give us a follow. We'll give your shouts out. Yep. Dill, where can we find the Cheap Seats Network social media stuff? Yep, yep. So, in order to find the Cheap Seats Network information, it's going to be on Facebook. The Cheap Seats Network. That's it. Yep. Just type it in. Boom. The Cheap Seats Network. And on Twitter, we have at the underscore cheap underscore seats. But long-time listeners and maybe some more recent listeners may understand what's going on here. We always guess for the SN. You know, what does it stand for? What does it really mean for TCSN? The cheap what? We've I've had... got one. Oh. Okay. Doge. Uh, yeah. Hit me with it. The Super Naysayers. Ooh, kinda, kinda, but no, no, that's, 
I'll let TJ go before I finalize my answer. Um, before you okay. finalize your answer. So, yeah, right. Um, goodness. Okay. This is tough because there's a lot of good things that that have come about recently and I think I'm going to have to try to keep it related to this pod related to the Bengals and that's going to be wrong of course because why would we do that but that's what I'm going to do and I'm going to say superstitious Nadian. Oh, I was gonna say superstitious, noteworthy, like a noteworthy superstition of the thirty-one I love, years. I love that that makes no down. sense as far as a statement. Like a lot of what mine have been. Right. Why would it? It's not <laughs> supposed to make us. St- like I'm trying to kind of play India, but lean into my same. Like keep it. So, uh, all right. It's a noteworthy I, superstition of this weekend, you know. I will say, I did change it for my initial SN. Oh, my God. Because Doge nailed it. No. Ah. Because this game that we have been watching has been trash goaltending. So, I'm saying it stands for... Civ? Sucky netminding. Uh. Boo. Yep. Yeah. I agree on the boo there. The cheap sucky met... Netminder. Netminder. Yep, that's it. Okay, cool. Well, let's move on then to our... Uh... Cool, cool. Our third quarter here. Um, you want to talk about... Nah, I'm not going to do that transition. Um, let's talk about our teams here. Uh, that we picked yeah. for our Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Speaking of sucky, that's what I was going to say. Unfortunately, Dill, their teams, you've only got one one club left to, to root for. Yeah, full Gluck. Three points left, only one team to root for. It's his boys, the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. When we did this, fire the cannons, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dylan's got three points, unfortunately, in last place. Still has a chance, I believe, to make some noise if the Bucks win the Super Bowl. So don't count him out, but uh, certainly don't count him in right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I am in wow. uh, second place, right behind Doge. Uh, be- all because the Dan Colts couldn't beat the frickin' Clowntonio Brown Jags uh, with all their fans wearing clown masks. So I uh, have the Packers, the Bills, the Rams. I had the Patriots and the Colts, but they've both been eliminated. So I've got three teams left. I've got eight points. So I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. But the guy who's probably feeling the best is Mr. Doge right now. He's got four teams left on the board. The Titans, the number one seed. The Chiefs, one of the best teams in the AFC. The Bengals who will be playing against the Titans. So he's got a matchup against each other, but uh, one of those teams will be advancing, so he's going to get a point there. 
And then the San Francisco 49ers. His Cowboys uh, did not show up against the Niners. So the Niners, who, by the way, again, there's very much controversy behind if he should even have that pick, have now moved on further into the postseason. Uh, the, the committee made their decision, and we're playing by those rules. I just want to make sure everybody's aware. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. agreeing. I was a part of the committee. I was a part of the committee. I just want to make sure. I was a strong advocate of not doing it. I just think it's great for the so, story to that we bring it. We took it, it to the wheel. We took How it to the wheel. How I, dare you? How dare you just the wheel I like t- that? Doge, I'm, I totally agree. I don't dis- I'm playing by the wheel's uh, rules, but he I'm did. Just, he did express. He was the one expressing that we shouldn't do it. He, I, to, he can put that out. There. I agree. You know, I'm just saying. I we have to add it for the storyline for the fans to know that the 49ers were almost not on this list. Yeah, drama's and building. Purely the reason for the lead right now. Yeah. Uh, and you know, could be taking down the pack with their matchup. I hopefully not. It but we'll could see. be. So let's go. You know what? Let's get right into that one, Doge. Who do you have in the NFC? We've talked a lot of AFC so far on this pod. Um, we've talked Bengals, Titans. We've talked a little bit of Bills, Chiefs uh, to discuss who we would rather have the Bengals play, knock on wood, if they were to win. Um, so who do you have? The 49ers, Kyle Shanahan going into Lambeau Field, taking on uh, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, probably back-to-back MVP. Uh, who do you have in this matchup? Who do you have as like an X-factor Um just give me a little preview of this game. What do you got? This is a tough one. <clears throat> and I'll be pulling for my 49ers to, to get this win. However, if I were a betting man, I would probably be putting my money on, on the Packers and Lambeau. Yep. Um, the, the person that you're going to have to rely on and the 49ers is for Debo Samuel to continue to be as electric as he has been. He's a running back. He's a wide receiver. He can do whatever. And he's just awesome while doing it. So yep. if he can have an explosive game, they they stand a chance. But he's been a majority of their production uh, recently. And I would say he's got to be the X Factor. But if I were a betting man, I'd probably put money on the Packers here. Yeah, I, uh, I will definitely be rooting for the Packers. As uh, one of my bosses is a big Packers fan, I have the Packers in this pool. Um and uh, so I'll definitely be going for the Packers here. This is also, wildly enough, I believe this will be the healthiest the Packers have been all season, getting a lot of their uh, injured players back, so the bye really helped them. Um, and so I think they're going to be ready to rock and roll against this Niners team, who I just don't think will be able to keep up points-wise with the Packers' offense. Um, the, the Niners' corners are not uh, you know, necessarily great. Uh, and haven't been great all season, so I think Devontae Adams will have a big game. Um, but you're right, Doge. If Debo Samuel gets going, he is seems to be one of the league's most unstoppable players right now, uh, whether it's a run, it's a pass, um, or you know whatever kind of way you can get him the ball. If he's going, he's a guy who's going to put some points on, on the board. So uh, definitely don't count out the 49ers. They're a great team, well-coached team, um, are always in it. But I think this is a Packers game. Lambeau... It's a tough place to play, especially in the cold. I'm not sure old uh, sexy Jimmy G uh, is going to be able to go play in, in the cold weather there. So we'll see. Dill. Oh, he's he's a cold weather quarterback. I don't know what you're talking about. Jimmy Jizzle. I don't know. I, I would say I would say pump your brakes on these Packers. They have a weird little mental 
thing going on about losing to the 49ers when they're heavily favored. We've seen this happen before. The only thing is, this is I don't know. Russell's not a loves Mike. to beat the Niners though, too. At the same time, he, in the last like three matchups they were supposed to win, they got blown out and they got ran all over. There's definitely could get That's run what I was going to say is that it's, if, I don't think this uh, this Packers defense is like the Mech, uh, Mike Pet. I can't even talk now. Mike Petten defenses of the past that have had 200 plus rush yards on them in you know an NFC championship game or something like that. So I think it's going to be a fairly close game actually. I think that the 49ers are kind of that like that team of destiny almost for me. Like that's something that like just kind of felt like they were, you know? Like they definitely have a lot of those vibes. For sure. They just, like, kind of, they're under the radar. They're, like, not that good, but they beat good teams, and they play well all the time. So it's like, how good are they actually? Like, are they worse, or excuse me, are they better than their record indicates? Like, I think so. Um, I think this is a tough draw for the Packers, honestly, but. Oh, I don't know. I think of any of the teams, this is who I would want to play. Yeah, yeah, but again, it's that mental, you know. I don't. Fight I don't think there's. I. I don't think. You don't think that has any factor. I don't think they have any mental, like. That's not like taking up any food. mental capacity of theirs. Not for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe other people. No way for him, man. That's what I think you need to worry about. I think Aaron's going to do what he's going to do. I think you need to worry about everyone else. So that's what that's exactly what I. That's fine. You know what I mean. I'm. I don't think it's going to come down to Jimmy G making a throw in the cold weather, and and I just don't expect him to be able to make that play. And it could totally be a Packer thirty point win, like I could see that too, where like San Francisco just doesn't show up. No, they'll show up. Unless, I think it'll be a close game. They'll show up. They're too good of a coach, but I don't know how close it'll necessarily end up being at the end of the game, but they're going to play a good game. There's Might be no like a like a 24-20, 24-21 kind of game like It'll it'll probably it, points, it might but... be one of those games, but I think it'll be one of those games, but it'll be one of those like where the Packers were in control the whole time. Like it was never never in doubt. Um almost like the Bengals game except for the end of it, the very very end where it was like we're kind of con- controlling in the lead the whole time, but then here they came sneaking up on the the back end. So Right. All right, Dylan. So you've got who? Officially on the record, I'm taking the 49ers. Wow. Crazy. Purely out of that spiteful pick that Doge got. <laughs> just that it's gonna—it's the gift that just keeps on giving. I hope you're right, Dill. Uh, I don't. For sure, for the sake of the game. Well, let's move on <clears throat> to the next game here for the NFC. Uh, let's bounce back to the AFC. Why not? Let's bounce. Let's do a little bouncing back and forth. Uh, the Buffalo. We just smacked the crap out of the Bills, or yeah, out of the Patriots. Bills. Um, 
Okay, so Doge, we're gonna kick it to you to discuss the other matchup here in the AFC. The Buffalo Bills going to Arrowhead, taking on the Chiefs after their massive win against the New England Patriots. Uh, I believe it's the first time in NFL history that a team did not punt, kick, or turn the ball over against a team in the playoffs. So, um, good for the Bills. Uh, what do you have in this matchup against the Chiefs, who pretty handily took down the Steelers, and that game is pretty much over uh, you know, at halftime for that game. So who do you have here in this matchup? So... <clears throat> I think I'm going to have to take the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I think their their offense is so high-powered. It's not going to be the same deal as last week for the Bills. You know, they're they're going into Arrowhead, and they're they're playing against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, and it's going to be wild. I mean, it's – I mean, like we had mentioned, you know, these are the people that have gone to the Super Bowl two years in a row now for the AFC. Yep. So – these are kind of the dogs you got to beat on this side, and I think it's going to be really tough for them. I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs, taking the playoff experience, and taking Patrick Mahomes. Oh, man. I'm like... Listen, this is not the outcome that I want. It's just the one I see happening. No, no, no. I'm just... I don't know who to pick. I'm so I'm so torn. Because everything we've said, the Chiefs are the team that has been there two years. They have every weapon you could ask for. They have the playbook that's opened up. Seems to be like their defense has been uh, improving since the middle of the season. So, um, I just don't, I don't know who to pick because Josh Allen is so hot right now. And it seems like whether he's running for 20 yards or throwing for 20 yards, they are moving the ball. And they are moving the ball quick. So, and they already beat the Chiefs this year. It's one of the bigger games this season for the Bills, if I'm not mistaken. So, week five. You know, the Chiefs didn't look great then. They've, that was early. That was, yeah, that was the, one of the Chiefs. The Chiefs have definitely improved them. since then. So, so the Bills, though. The Bills definitely have two, but, oh, man. Bills have been very hot, cold all year. They were blowing people out, and then they couldn't score. They lost to the Jags. Yeah, they put I like think, six points up on the Jags. I think, I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs because I think that Patriots game was a little bit of like a mini Super Bowl for those Bills because when the Bill when the Patriots came into town earlier this year, it was that crazy weather game, and Bill Belichick only threw the ball three times and. That was a people were asking. Story. People were asking if it was embarrassing that they got run on so much. So I think they were coming out to prove this time. Hey, we are not that team. We're not going to get embarrassed. Right. So I don't know if they're going to have the same swagger, or energy, or hunger. You know, I'm sure they're going to be hungry to win the game. Don't get me wrong, but the same like prove it to you energy um, in this game against the Chiefs, especially when they don't have their home crowd. I know that's the. Yeah, the Bills crowd is one of the best in in the country. So, if the the Chiefs obviously one of the best in the country, so it's gonna be interesting to see how the Bills play on the road versus on the home or at home because they're obviously a good team at home. So, uh, Dill, what do you think about this matchup between the Chiefs and the Bills? All right, so 
Um, now I know that I have three things to say about the Bills here, or this game. Yeah. Uh, one, that, you know, it was a close game last year, and they met in the playoffs, the AFC Championship game, being 28-24. Uh, obviously, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs went on to win that because they got busted in the Super Bowl against my Bucks. But, yep. uh, you know, it was a close game. Yeah, I think it could have uh, totally gone either way, and it just you know went to the Chiefs last year. Um, I think these are two heavy hitters. That that's how these teams are going to be with each other for the next you know as we can see it the next foreseeable future. Um, two, uh, Pat Mahomes after he beat the Browns the way that they did last year, I said it was never going to win another Super Bowl. <laughs> so in order for that to continue. He needs to lose before he gets to a Super Bowl, so I don't have to have any SPT going on. And if you don't know about sweaty SPT, little sweaty palm time. I was SPT the whole fourth quarter. Of that yeah, game, dude. I'm sure that Jesus. you know, I was a little bit. I'm not even really invested, but um, I couldn't sit down for the last like four minutes of that game. <laughs> I know so how you funny. feel. I know how you feel. So funny. Um, so yeah, I I could totally see. That, you know, being a factor, because I said so. And, uh, and three, I hope this is a good game, because so far the playoffs have been kind of booty. They've been a lot of blots. A lot of, like, for sure that team just dominated and they're going to continue to, and they did. Um, yeah, but these are all good teams. Sure, yeah, but they can still have bad games, I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't expect. I don't, I don't expect that, but I'm just hoping for. That's just like something I'm hopeful for. You could have looking... you you could have seen some of the blowouts in the last like going into this past weekend. It's a lot tougher to find how somebody blows somebody out in these these games. Right. Sure. I mean, it's just I'm I'm with you. So, um, let's go back to NFC. We're gonna go back to well, yeah, back to Doge. As well here for the Rams at the Buccaneers. So final game that we're going to break down here. Um, neither of these teams are one of the ones that Doge has for his matchup. So he doesn't have a rooting sense. But uh, who do you have in this matchup? The Rams have already beaten the Bucks this year. Um, but that was uh, in L.A. if I'm not mistaken. Week so, three. Week three. So... Also very early in the season. Uh, I believe Leonard Fournette will be back for this game as well. So um, that should be a factor for the Buccaneers as well. Not that they necessarily missed him against the Eagles, but who do you have in this matchup, Doge, Rams or Buccaneers? The Rams looked great. Great. You know, I'm, I'm really glad Matt Stafford got the win. They smoked the Cardinals. However... Ooh. I'll be damned if I can bet against Tom Brady <laughs> going into these playoffs, bro. I mean, I just it's it's tough to do. I mean, I, I feel like I have to take the Bucks here. I feel like while the Rams can show that they're very high powered, they have the ability to really shut people down and score a lot of points. They've been kind of hit or miss, just like we've been talking kind of about about the Bills as well. There's been some games where they just don't show up. I feel like on the big stage against Tom Brady, it's gonna be really tough for them. And I'm I'm just taking the bucks, taking the bucks. Sure, sure. 
Dill, who do you have? You firing the cannons here? Or are you rolling with McVeigh and, and the the L.A. boys? Yeah. 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 No, I'm going to stick with B.A. and the uh, sure. B.A. TB team. You know, a little TB12. Sure. A little Tampa Bay. A little Champa Bay. A little 3 p.m. on a Sunday. Sure. Uh... No, I mean I have to go with the Bucks. One, they're my team. Uh, two, they're my other team in this fake fantasy situation yeah, that you we assign points. And three, uh, again, I'm gonna bang this one out with three points as well. You know, You're your three point guy right now, just popping them. Off. Yeah, I'm, I'm shooting more three pointers than freaking Steph Curry out here. Hey. Uh, it says. If we get Tristan Wirfs back, he's questionable. That'll be nice. Hopefully, if we can get Grayson, you know, if we can get some of our guys back, I think it'll be nice. I think we are going to have to, I mean, I think we're going to have to run the ball against the Rams. I don't think it's going to be something where we can look like, you know, where we played against the Eagles and it's just a team that shouldn't even be in the playoffs, it looked like. Not a chance. You were not going to do that. Which was hilarious because I was like, man, I'm kind of worried about him. Like, you know, this and, and then it's just, they couldn't do anything. It was very similar to the other birds, the cardinal birds that I already. <clears throat> yeah, the birds didn't on. show up. Yeah. Birds did not show up. The birds dropped, that's for sure. Um, boys, I hate to do it to you. But I have the Rams in my section, so I'm going to have to root for them for that reason alone. <laughs> but. Yeah. I think the Rams also have the kind of formula that can take down a Tom Brady team. Um, it's not one that comes about often, but you need to have a really good pass rush, which they have with some of the best names of all time, and then they've got some other really good additional pieces along to go along with Aaron Donald and Von Miller with uh, Leonard Floyd there. Um, Jalen Ramsey is a top cornerback, so he can shut down potentially Mike Evans or, you know, uh, do some stints covering Gronkowski, which he's done in the past. So uh, that kind of limits Tom's weapons. And since they are without uh, Mr. Take Your Shirt Off and Run Off the Field, Antonio Brown and Godwin is out for the season, um, I think it's only going to be tougher for the Buccaneers to try to get this win because they were healthier, uh, more active uh, earlier this season. And so, especially with the line being hurt, especially with the receivers being hurt, um, I've got the Rams in this one because I think it's just a bad matchup for the Buccaneers uh, uh, more than anything else. I, I think the Bucks are a great team. Uh, I will gladly come on this podcast in the next episode put my hand up and say, yes, I am the idiot who bet against Tom Brady um, because on more often occasions than not, I would not think that that's a smart thing to do. But too many signs for me are pointing to the Rams being the winners here. And Oh, not to mention the Rams have an offense that can score points too. You know what I mean? And Cam Akers, holy shit, did he look good in that game. So if he's, if, impressive if that, he's coming he's, back and Sonny Michelle's looking good, and they get cup firing, and Odell's looking good. Uh, I just I think the Rams are going to be the team that is going to move on uh, and, and probably face the Packers here. So, Although Dill's looking at Bucks Niners. So that'll be an interesting uh, matchup if we get that. But uh, either way, gents, um, 
it's going to be a great matchup, I think, between those teams. Uh, so I probably just jinxed that game too there, uh, like I did with the Cards Rams. But I think that's going to be a good one. All the games seem to be like pretty good matchups this weekend. So if after this, you know, do we need to start talking about how we could have back-to-back Super Bowls played with the home team? Is that something we need to start talking about, or is that next week, like after this weekend? I don't want to put that in the ether yet. Okay. But, yeah, there's a chance. When I saw them play last night, I'm like, this could go back-to-back. Like They looked really good. They, I'm the telling Cardinals. you, dude, they really came up, good. they were flying on defense, popping people. They looked really fast on D, which is a good Super Bowl sign. But we hadn't seen the Packers, we hadn't seen the Titans yet. So. We haven't seen the Bucks play the Rams yet, so we'll see then. <laughs> we will see after that for <laughs> sure. Uh, all right, that's enough football for right now, boys. Let's move on here to our fourth quarter. Let's do a little Tejas trade talk, talk about a little NBA. So this will be good. Let's move on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to move on now to our fourth quarter, one of my favorite segments, one of my favorite times of the year. It is one month away from the NBA trade deadline. So we're going to do a little Tejas trade talk here, guys. So uh, one thing I want to preface this trade season, this trade talk season about is the NBA recently came out and changed their uh, rules about how you can extend players and um, what that means to extend players. So many players, uh, this is actually the offseason where uh, more players than ever were extended or were offered contract extensions. So there are not as many uh, expiring contracts available for trade, which is usually one of the big, you know, kind of things people throw into trades to make them happen, or you know, some, you know, the fuel for the trade deadline, if you will. So there aren't as many of those going around, um, and so for that reason, there aren't as many big names really, or uh, you know, possible names available on the trade market, at least uh, rumor-wise, a month out right now. So things could start heating up, but we're going to start off and talk about. The, the most prized possession, I would say, uh, of this trade deadline, um, which seems to be Detroit Pistons' Jeremy Grant. So there are a plethora of teams that are interested in his services because when he was on the Nuggets playing in a role position, um, he was you know eligible for sixth man of the year, was one of the better bench players in the league, has proven as well now on the Pistons he can play in a starter role. Um, you know, he might not be a guy who can be your number one to lead you to the playoffs, but he can really do a lot of things for a, a good playoff team. So, um, the first team, uh, one of the first trades that I've got here for you guys that I'm going to talk about, and we'll just see which one you guys think is the most realistic out of these three uh, Jeremy Grant trades, um, or which one you guys would take if you were the Pistons, um, is from the Knicks. So, uh, the Knicks would receive Jeremy Grant and point guard uh, Corey Joseph, veteran in the league, so they get a point guard back there. And the the Pistons would receive, uh, in this trade that I've uh, seen potentially going around, Kemba Walker, Mitchell Robinson, Ain't No Stoppin' Obi Toppin', and Kevin Knox, former lottery pick who does not play very much now. Um do you guys want me to read all three of the trades and then we'll discuss them, or do you want to just discuss that one first? We discuss them one by one and then kind of say which one's okay, which one's winning so far. Um. Okay. So, just initially, what do you have on this trade then, Dill? Real quick. Who do you like it for either team? Do you do you not like it? Um. 
I feel like the Pistons get a lot. I th- it does seem like a lot. In reality, I think Mitchell Robinson is ex- is actually one of those expiring contracts. So uh, I know Kemba Walker is, and he's uh, kind of a hit or miss asset nowadays. Obi Toppin definitely a nice young piece to have. Uh, Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox some shots down. Like he's not bad. He's been pretty terrible for the Knicks, but <laughs> he might be able to rejuvenate himself for the Pistons. So yeah, I agree. It does seem like a lot of NBA talent right yeah. now. Well, hey, maybe Cade gets him going. You know, maybe. Uh, Hating on the Pistons. He right might. Now. You know, maybe he's not. Uh, maybe he's just not a New York market guy. You know, he was a lottery pick, a lot of expectation. That might be too much for him. So maybe go to Detroit, where nobody really, you know, pays attention. Pays attention nationally <laughs> to the Little Caesars Palace. Uh, but, I don't know. It's not a bad trade. Definitely a Pistons, I think, winning this. Um, Doge, what do you think about this trade? I think it's it's definitely a Pistons win. Um, uh-huh. while, while Kemba's still on a uh, expiring, I think, sending OB over with Kemba and, you know, the other two guys, it's just, I think it's maybe just a bit too big of a haul for, for my liking if I'm the Knicks. Yeah. But if I'm the Pistons, I... I think I would jump at this. I don't. I for the if I'm the Knicks, I don't see what Jeremy Grant like solidifies for you for them per se because their team's already. Um, I don't know. It just seems like they're missing a ball handler, and he's not really that guy. So it seems like you're just kind of adding another Julius Randle type to your team. So I don't really know why the Knicks would necessarily do this one either, but it would be a nice piece of talent to acquire. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I would be skeptical of the Knicks making this move more than the Pistons. I think the Pistons would definitely, like you guys are saying, would, would be interested in oh, this yeah. deal. Um, I'm wondering, though, if the Pistons, though, would also maybe not do this deal because they, they get a few too many good, talented players for this season specifically. Maybe they buy some of those guys out so they can actually tank um, and, and get a better pick but still keep Obi Toppin and Knox. Maybe they buy out Mitchell Robinson and, and, and Kemba there. But let's move on to trade two um, before we decide what we think really about this trade because there's a couple other offers that I've heard possibly for Jeremy Grant and then I'll just go over some of the other teams that are interested in him, in him as well. Um, so uh, the, the Portland Trailblazers, they need to shake something up out there uh, you know, they don't necessarily want to get rid of Dame. They don't necessarily want to get rid of CJ, but they got to do something. So the next big name on the list to go would be Yosef Nurkic. So the Pistons would be getting Nurkic, Nasir Little, Cody Zeller, and the lottery-protected pick just for Jeremy Grant there. So, um, Doge, I'll go to you first. What do you think of this trade for the Blazers uh, and the Pistons? Now, this is kind of a little bit more interesting um, just because, you know, there's been talk about trying to get another piece to ride with CJ and Dame and to have Grant added in there. I don't think you lose a whole lot there. Um, the lottery protected pick being a thing for the, the Blazers, so they get a little bit of, you know, insurance there should things go haywire. Um, right. That, that one's a little bit more even than the first, I would say. Um, there's two littles, you know, pretty decent player. 
Nurkic, I think when you initially look at this trade, you're like, man, dude, the Blazers are giving up a lot just for Grant. But then you got to remind yourself, Yosef Nurkic is hurt almost every year in the playoffs, yep. which is such a shame because he's a great player for them. But Jeremy Grant's a really healthy, sturdy player and allows the, the Blazers to play a bit smaller, too, and get more versatile. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, I would say that this trade, I agree, is a bit more even, but um, I don't know. The Blazers are also in a weird spot, just like the Knicks, where I think a team who's going to be trading for Grant is going to be somebody who's trying to go for more of a championship caliber rather than, hey, let's just make ourselves from a, a possible playing team to maybe, hey, now we're the sixth seed where we don't have to worry about getting kicked out of the playoffs, but we're still not really a contender. Like, the Knicks are not going to become a contender by adding Jeremy Grant. The Blazers, who are having a really poor season this year, um, especially with Dame now being out with ab- abdominal surgery, are not going to be a contender by adding Jeremy Grant. So I don't think that this is a, um, um, excuse me, 2022 um, lottery pick. I was looking at that pick. It's wrong. I said the wrong thing. Um, but either way, I just don't think that that's like, maybe a couple years ago they would be going in for this all-in trade, but right now I don't see the the ends to the means here with this with this trade for the Blazers. What do you think, Dill? Yeah, I think the Blazers are giving up a couple bigs that are, you know, uh, can be quality players. And I think that if you didn't have the pick in there, I think it would be okay. Okay. I just think it's just like a little. It's just like a little. Hey, we're just gonna throw this in here just to get a little extra. Yeah. Because you want it. Because you want to change it up. Right. I'd imagine that's probably because the Pistons are not gonna keep any of those guys. So that they, what they're really trading is the pick for Grant. But you got to match the money. Right. Yep. But either either way, I, I my my point remains the same. The Blazers are. Are not going to be contending for anything, so I don't know if it's worth making a move right now for them. But I do think it's a bit more even than the Knicks deal, like Doge was saying. Yeah, I just don't get it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, if it's a move, it's a move for, like, we're going to make this move and do it for next year, even though we're, you know, like it's gonna making be... a trade this year. Like, we're, we're it's a trade for next season. But we're doing it this year. Yeah, like I think future moves are gonna come off of these. You know what I mean? Like this, these are movable people. Like these aren't like staples of. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like you led into this uh, initial conversation that the um, trade rumors, like there just aren't that many big names. Right. So. Well, a lot of guys, like for example, like a guy like Josh Richardson on the Celtics, he went into the year on a one-year deal. But the, the rules changed on how you can extend players and how it's easier for a team who just acquired a player to extend a player um, and like how it's with incentives and other things like that. So we just extended him right away and added an extra year to his thing, which probably makes him a bit more valuable na- as an asset, but also makes him harder to trade because uh, people are know, hey, we got to have him on the books for a whole other season, so if we don't like him, he's still going to be around. Whereas like, Hey, maybe we can just add him, and if he's good, we can re-sign him, and if he's not, we can send him on his way. He's an expiring type guy. So there's a lot of people like that that got extended this year. Um, sure. So as to why there's not as many good guys like you were saying. Um, so 
Let's move on to the third trade, the one that I think is going to be the most likely to happen here, um, and the one that is going to take, honestly, the Bulls just kind of uh, bringing all the chips to the table if they think they're really going to be a contender this year to make this move, which is the Bulls acquiring Jeremy Grant and the Pistons acquiring Patrick Williams, Derek Jones Jr., and Matt Thomas. Uh, so Patrick Williams is a really good young player, really good defender for them been kind of banged up all year um and so this is kind of definitely more of a win now move for the chicago bulls and one i think they should definitely make um because jeremy grant fits their team very well um he's a piece that they kind of need uh, another long wing switchable defender who can shoot who can score uh you can kind of dribble a little bit there for him um and doesn't necessarily need the ball uh to be productive uh to be a productive player so and he's a pretty good defender. So if you throw him out there with Lonzo, Caruso, Levine, and DeRozan, while you're not really large, that's a pretty good defending team um, against some of the bigger players. And you might, you know, might not be able to take on Embiid with that roster, but um, that's a pretty good defensive lineup for being a small team. Um, so I think the Bulls should definitely make this move um, if they're serious about trying to contend this year. Which, with Kevin Durant being injured and the the Bucks losing. Like six of their last eight, um, you know. I think this is something the Bulls should definitely do. So, what do you guys think of this trade? Do you think the other ones are, uh, you know, better trades for Grant, or um, do you think a team like maybe the Lakers, or uh, maybe the Seventy Sixers, or the Nets, um, or you know, possibly the Mavericks as well, should be going for a guy like Grant, or do you think uh, one of these trades is better? Dill, I'll go to you first. When I saw this list, I. You know, this is the trade that I looked at, thinking that, you know, unless you guys had something that I didn't know about these other players, you know, on the list that we've mentioned so far, like, this is the trade that I could definitely uh, believe, you know, okay, this seems like a good trade. You know, like, the Bulls do get that, you know, additional player, and, and he does carry, um, like, he plays good minutes, you know, yeah. and, and for being the one seed in the East right now, right, the Bulls are? Yeah. You need, you know, just a another guy you can depend on in the playoffs to give you those quality minutes, whether it's, you know, on the bench or maybe in the starting lineup because you have to adjust things because of injuries. You know, he's that he's definitely a guy that you would, uh, you know, be able to count on in, you know, a playoff series for a game or two for having he a He was really, a huge really part. good for the Nuggets in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, really good. Yeah. So, like, He's definitely proven that he can be. I just a don't think he's going to win you six games out of you know. No, he's not going to you be your number one dude. But if he's your, he can four, win you a couple five, games. Five, three, playoffs. four, five. He's just not afraid to you know make a big play for sure. You know what I mean? Like, which is a great guy to have on your team. Go ahead, there. Carry on. No, I mean that was pretty much about it. Uh, Doge, where are you at? Do you think this is also up there at the tops or? Yeah, I would say, you know, this one makes the most sense for the team getting. Jeremy Grant, I think. Um, just because, like TJ pointed out, you know, the Bulls are fighting for that top seed in the East and to send him to a contender where he doesn't have to be, you know, instantly a, a top dog, that's going to be huge uh, to be able to implement him into that team and to give him a little bit of time for the, the latter half of the season to really make that push into the playoffs. And I think this makes sense for the Bulls. Um, you know, and, and like you mentioned, Dill, I feel like as far as, the, the guys you're giving up, none of them are going to be that same 
you know, caliber and, and to Teach's point as well, you know, I'm going off of both you guys, you know, it it just makes sense that Jeremy Grant could be that kind of like third, fourth, fifth option, but can still have that potential to put out the big play um, with that playoff experience that he already has. Um, so I, I think as far as the team receiving Grant, this one makes the most sense in my eyes. I think too, because uh, Patrick Williams is a really good young player. He's pretty similar to Grant. He's just much younger. So he fits the Bull. Like Jimmy Grant fits the Bulls timeline much better, whereas Patrick Williams fits the Pistons timeline better. Whereas maybe him and Cade Cunningham can start growing together, and he can be that really long wing defender. Um, and Cade kind of maybe sets some things up with him. Um, uh, you know, whereas you know he kind of Patrick Williams really isn't a part of the offense too much on the Bulls because you know they have so many great offensive players. So I think. Um, it's probably the best trade for both teams, unless the Pistons end up keeping all those guys in that Knicks deal that we had mentioned earlier. Because Obi Toppin is a good young asset, um, but I think Derek Jones and Matt Thomas are better than than Kevin Knox there. Uh, but Obi Toppin and Patrick Williams are pretty similar. And then for the as far as the Blazers one goes, uh, I don't know if. Nurkic really helps out the Pistons too much, but we might be able to flip him for something else or for some picks for somebody else. So it yeah. could be a, a double move there. So I think the Bulls one is probably the best for both sides because you get a good young player, Patrick Williams, who was having a good season but a little banged up. But I don't know. What do you guys think about in terms of the Pistons? Which one would you take if you're the Pistons? Dill? Um, you taking the paw? You going big nerk? You going? There ain't no stopping. I don't know. I mean, like you said, if you can sign those guys, yeah. But I was thinking probably the Blazers deal because then you can either yeah the pick. You know what I was saying before. What you just mentioned is you know using it as a future. You know, move as far right. as like okay, we can kind of double move these guys for these pieces and uh, kind of branch off of this trade today you know, something later. So I do like that trade uh, with the Blazers for that reason. Sure. Doge, what about you? We might all have different ones here. Doge? Apologies. Was muted. Um, Hot that might be the case. In the background, so that's my bad. No, you're good. Um, no, I think, of, I think of all of them, I would probably take the, the next one. I, I feel I, like Obi yeah. Toppin coming out of there could be a huge... Uh, building piece for him and you know I think looking at the halls side by side by side I think that one makes the most sense as far as the as far as what the Pistons get back we all got different ones I like it we'd all be different GMs very interesting (laughs) um all right well uh we'll move on to the next uh little trade thing I had which was going to be all about uh, Miles Turner and all the different possible landing spots that he might be in, but he recently just saw a foot specialist, and he's likely to be out till after the trade deadline. So yep. I'm not sure if he will get moved anymore, but there was a strong chance that he was going to. Teams like the Mavericks and the Lakers, the Knicks and the Hornets were very interested in him. Pacers were seeking two first-round picks for him, which uh, seems like a high price, or they're asking for a first-round pick and a young player. So, um, 
be interesting to see who would have went for that or who might still go for that. But uh, of those four teams, who do you think could use Miles Turner the most, and who would offer? You know, who would uh, pay that price? Doge, who do you think? Uh, again, Mavericks, Lakers, Knicks, Hornets. Hmm. This is a good one. I would I would have to say the Mavericks. I think in this case. Yeah. Um. I would really like that pairing. Obviously, Porzingis is a tall guy, but he's not hes not the kind of big physical guy that Miles Turner would be, and it would give him a little bit of opportunity to kind of play that that stretch, you know, wider game where he can't be more on the perimeter and still have a bigger guy down low for him. I think it makes the, the most sense. And as far as the defensive presence is concerned, he, he definitely would be, you know, a great add-on for them. Dale, what about you? I just feel like, you know, he's going to stay, you know, the gold Frank Vogel type, you know. Oh, I mean, don't you see this being, you know, decent for the Lakers? Yeah, I, of course. Because if he's healthy, do you want to know why? Great. Do you want to know why it's great? Because the Lakers have nothing to give up. So how the hell could they get Miles Turner? It's just hilarious. Like, I love that the Lakers, like, the Lakers might be getting Jeremy Grant. What the heck could they have to offer for Jeremy Grant? We just talked about Obi Toppin and Patrick Williams, two young good players. The Lakers don't have one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know what's tough. If they give the picks, I could totally see it, and they could definitely use it, especially with AD being out. So I, I like that, especially the Vogel bring him back. That'd be funny. I don't know if Miles Turner would like that. Um, I'm going uh with a totally different one because. Like I mentioned, I don't think the Lakers have the pieces to do it. Well, Hornets? I don't... I Hold on there, dude. Hold on oh, there, I see dude. coming. Look I out. don't think the Mavericks are going to do it because I think um, KP and Miles Turner are a little bit redundant where, like, I do agree that Miles Turner bangs in the paint a little bit more, but they're both, like... They both like to shoot the ball a little bit too much for like the combo, but they are both, uh, you know, kind of good interior defenders. I think they would work well together, but I don't know if it's worth giving up two first-round picks for him, per se. And the team that I think is kind of on the rise, they want to make a little bit of noise, and they could use a center who could shoot some threes, catch a nice drive and dish, or a nice lob from LaMelo, is the Hornets. I think they, they could do it. I think they could give it up. Um, the picks, or maybe you give up one of their younger assets that doesn't get too many time, too many minutes that the Pacers might want. So I would, I could see the Hornets making a move on that. Um, but honestly, all these teams could really use Miles Turner. So it's a bummer that he's hurt because that market would have been really good for the Pacers. Maybe it still will be good, but uh, definitely a bummer that he's hurt right now for sure. Yep. Um, you know we couldn't do any trade talk without sneaking in a little Celtics boys. So, uh, my trade darling of the season, person that I'd love to have added to the roster, um, then I don't think it's realistic. Um, although Jeremy Grant is someone who we've been interested, we've been linked to, but I didn't want to put one of those packages together because I wanted to do this guy instead. I would love to add Domantis Sabonis to the Boston Celtics, boys. So let me give you two little trade packages. Let me tell you what... Uh, what I've got cooked up, you tell me if you're Indiana, if you're going to take either of these. Um, so, package number one, dream package. 
for Teach. We got to say goodbye to some 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 boys, but you got to do it. Sabonis for Grant Williams, Wancho Herman Gomez, Indiana boy Romeo Langford, Aaron Neesmith, and Peyton Pritchard, along with three first-round picks. So just a lot of young boys, a lot of picks, match the salary. Celtics stay intact. We just add Sabonis. Um... And the other trade is Marcus Smart, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, and a top five protected pick in this next draft. Uh, or in two drafts, excuse me, for Sabonis. Which one do you guys think is more realistic, if any? Um, if you're the Pacers, are you just hanging up the phone when these are offered to you for Sabonis? Or are you interested in these? Uh, Doge, I'll go to you first. It's kind of tough. Um... You definitely, I mean, there's definitely something needs to change there for the Pacers. Um, yeah. Problem being, you know, just exactly what are you willing to, to receive for Zabonis, who's proven that he's a all-star caliber player. Um, so it's it's tough to look at those two packages and really see it, but... Um, I agree. <laughs> I, would, I would likely not take either of these. It would be tough to see the return on it. I, um, the ones I would take, if I was going to take one, I would take the one with the picks and Pritchard and Neesmith because, and I guess Romeo too, because neither those guys don't play for us. It's like, who knows if they're, they, like, they could all be good, but they don't ever play because what are we going to sit Jalen Brown for a game so we can see if Aaron Neesmith is good? Like, no, we know. Right. Like, no, thank you. Not a chance. <laughs> so like those guys could actually be pretty good. So if I was going to do one. I would do that because that seems like a, hey, we're going to reset completely. We're going to build around, like, Duarte and these picks we're going to get and maybe, uh, you know, one other pacer that is young or something like Levert. I don't know. I heard he's on the move possibly this trade deadline. But the other one, I don't don't know why you would add Marcus Smart just to not be in the playoffs, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't get that one per se. Unless you're going to just try to trade it, flip him for something else. Uh, which we, you probably could actually trade him for some picks on a, to, to a contending roster. But um, I don't know. I would imagine you could probably get more for Sabonis than these two packages. But I had to put together a little Celtics love here. so That's a good point, T. I think the picks would make more sense because at least, you know, if you use those, you can wind up going to go get your guys. If those other young guys that don't play for the Celtics, like you said, T, if they don't wind up working out then you can still you know use those picks to to hopefully better the situation for yourself but i'm with you there why why send marcus smart over to not really do anything (laughs) that one i don't think makes much sense i think if the money just works and that was a classic like hey we're going to get rid of marcus if somebody wants to it's like i don't i'm not necessarily a big fan of that anyway so um i'm with you there i would say the other deal for sure you get potentially you're counting the, the picks as young, good players. You might be getting five to six, probably more, more like four, three good young players. With Pritchard, I think is pretty good. I think Neesmith is a pretty solid player. I have no idea about Romeo Langford at all. I think he could be a lot better in Indiana where all the fans were cheering for him. Even when he made a bucket when I was at the Celtics game for the Pacers, all the fans were going crazy because he went to Indiana. So maybe a little extra love could be good for him there. Um, 
But I don't even think Sabonis is going to get moved. Uh, but if they do, uh, let's hopefully Brad is, is going. I heard uh, Ime Udoka, somebody asked him if Brad was busy, and he said uh, from the walk to like the locker room or whatever to the press conference room, he said he got about 10 calls he had to decline or take real quick. And So Brad's, Brad's moving. He said everybody not named Jason or... Jalen is, is available on the trade block. They'd like to keep Robert Williams around if they could, but everybody's available. So who knows what that means. That could be some interesting stuff for sure. Um, let's move on then. Um, just a couple other names that are uh, could be on the move here at the trade deadline and a couple other headlines. Let me just do the headlines real quick before the names. Um, this may not mean anything for the trade deadline. Likely not. Um, but just something to keep in the back of your head for the off season, or maybe as a reason why the person who I'll be naming after this little snippet doesn't get moved. Uh, but James Harden apparently is open to relocation this off season, so that may mean he want to get traded. That may mean he wants to sign a big deal and move somewhere else. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe he's just saying he's open to it. Like, hey, yeah, sure, I would. I'd, I'd take an offer. You know, like who knows how serious the open to relocation is, but he's open to it, I guess. Which means uh, Ben Simmons may not get traded at the deadline because Daryl Morey, you know, he loves James Harden. would love to bring him in to Philadelphia and pair him with Joel Embiid, which I think would be a great uh, one-two punch. Uh, So Ben Simmons may not get moved at the deadline, and he just recently came out and said, hey, man, I'm willing to sit out the whole entire season if need be, uh, you know, because I don't want to play in Philly. So... Who knows if Ben Simmons gets moved? James Harden, I like I said, probably not going to get moved, especially with Kevin Durant being out. Uh, Kyrie Irving uh, is able to play the next like fourteen of their fifteen games, but after that, they've got like fifteen of their next twenty games are at home or at the the Knicks, so he can't really finish out the season for them. So I don't know why they would trade James Harden to not you know make a playoff push. So. I'd imagine James Harden stays around, but it's interesting. Maybe if her Ben Simmons type deal, you know, action. But some other names, people who might be uh, on the move. Goran Dragic up in Toronto. I don't think he's even played um, this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I'll have to double. Let me check on that before I just pull that out of nowhere. So I thought they were sitting him out. But either way, Toronto with Dragic, definitely someone to look at. Um, the I know the Mavericks have been linked to that. Him and Luca, good buddies. Um, okay, yeah. Sorry. December twenty eighth. Uh, Raptors do not have any plans to bring back Goran Dragic, who remains away from the team due to personal reasons. So he is not with the team right now. Well, that maybe he's recently done, but December he's not with the team. They're likely going to move him. So Dragic on the move. Eric Gordon on the Rockets, likely to be moved. CJ McCollum potentially moved. Uh, maybe they, since Dame's getting surgery, maybe they move McCollum, kind of go for a little tank action, uh, maybe go get a pick and then have Dame and that new pick to run with. Um, there's maybe some other the assets that they've got. Um, Karis LeVert on the Pacers as well. So Pacers maybe looking to do a full kind of reset here. Um, interesting to see what they do. John Collins not happy in Atlanta. Pretty big name that could be on the move. Um, He's a very, very good player. Uh, He'd like a bigger role, so not sure where he 
uh, would go or end up, but I would love for the Celtics to grab him, but I don't think that's realistic at all. Um, and then Dennis Schroeder. Uh, Celtics are likely uh, going to be trading him for picks or some, some cheaper assets to get under the luxury tax because um, we are not a championship contender this year, so it doesn't make sense to be paying extra money for this roster. Dennis Schroeder is making $17 million on an expiring contract, so likely you'll see Sam Presti uh, take him on and a pick for another pick or a young player or something like that, I'd imagine, um, to clear some cap space. So look for Schroeder to be moved, especially with Peyton Pritchard playing really well uh, for the Celtics recently too. So um, any uh, other names you guys have heard moving or any of those names excite you about movement? Or I don't know, Do you guys agree it seems like a pretty weak deadline? Like for... Seems like past years we've had some like real like pieces that could have been moved. Like I guess Ben Simmons is always lurking in the distance, but it doesn't seem like he's actually gonna get traded this year. I don't know. Right. I mean the of all the ones you brought up, obviously the biggest one is probably the one that's the the least likely, which is for James Harden to move, and that probably would you know should he go to Philly, that would almost certainly involve Ben Simmons. Yeah. That would be the biggest one. I mean, outside of that, everything else does seem kind of light at the moment. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you that it just seems not quite as star-studded as some of the other deadlines have been. If you're the Rockets, do you do a sneaky um, John Wall for Russell Westbrook trade, and maybe you just buy out Russ or something, or try to like sneak some assets from the Lakers for him, like maybe get like a a pick or a dude or something. Because John Wall's just, like, sitting there, you're just burning money. Yeah, but would the Lakers even be like, yes? What, is, would they want to do that just to get the Russell money off the books and then just... I don't know, I just feel like, I feel like they might, I feel like they might want to just give it a go of something else. I don't know. It's like the same exact thing, just a different guy. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Because they're the Rockets are essentially paying John Wall not to pay right play right now. Are they going to buy him out? Because if so, that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, because then he could just have freedom to roll wherever. Right. Mm. Wild. Interesting thought. I don't know. That's that's a good thought, T. That I had not put a whole lot of thought into myself. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean. The Lakers have got to do something, man. That's kind of where I've I heard it on I heard on some pods about it, and I was trying to think of some other things they could do, and I just keep coming back to that being the really the only move that can make an impact because uh, John Wall is coming off all these injuries, and granted, I'd imagine he's probably not the same player he was before, but Kevin Durant's coming back looking just about as good. Clay Thompson, you know, looks like a pretty decent version of himself. You know. It, What's there to think that John Wall couldn't be pretty good too? I mean, uh, and clearly whatever the Lakers doing are doing right now, I guess isn't really working. They're talking about firing Frank Vogel, who was potentially who was Coach of the Year last year, right? So, um, I don't know. Anthony Davis is still out, so you got to factor that in. But I think that one's pretty, pretty sneaky. That could be a cool move, but I I don't know. The Rockets already had Russell Westbrook, so. Yeah, they'd have to be willing to. They'd have to be willing to just send him, him on his, send him on his way. Yeah. Right? Are they going to be really eager to have him back? Yeah, they would have to ship him as soon as 
he gets sent over. Maybe they make it a three-teamer with somebody. Yeah, there it is. Who needs Russ, though? Probably the Timberwolves. No. Weirdly enough, the freaking Celtics could use him, but not for that freaking price tag. We could use the buyout version of Russell Westbrook, maybe. Right. Or John Wall. Um, Yeah, so... Um, Okay, well, we'll check in with the trade talk as it gets a little closer again, but that's just kind of... We're laying the land... Letting you know that the biggest prize right now seems to be Jeremy Grant. All our Celtics fans are hoping and dreaming of Sabonis. Um, you know, I'm sure the Nets fans are hoping to add some pieces here. Uh, Jazz fans as well. I don't know. Is there? Do you? Th- I don't know. Everybody seems like they could use Jeremy Grant. So it's it's gonna be exciting to see if he gets overpaid for it too. You know what I mean? With so many teams needing a guy like that, maybe the Pistons kind of luck out. And get a little extra extra coinage for him. So we'll look forward to that. We'll look forward to some other stuff here uh, as the NBA season wraps up. But let's uh, let's move on here to our buzzer beater. Um, I'm gonna send it over to you first, still. I know you got a good one. Get that shot up. What are you out for still? Well, not much uh, not much talk happening in the old uh, MLB conversation. So, uh, I'll say we're actually locked out of MLB yeah. buzzer beaters. So, it's tough. You knew you had a good one there for us, but we can't, can't divulge them. Plus, we don't want you to get fired by the MLB. God forbid that they come down <laughs> and fire you. So, we'll just keep bite your tongue there, Dale. Bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. Dodgers just promoted a guy who was the yeah. part of the Rays back in 2010 to Ooh, their GM. That's tough. He's 37. He was 26 on the Rays, yeah. and he just got promoted for the Dodgers. To I, the GM. Thought it, I thought I recognized that name. That's tough. So, that's it. You better walk, you're, you better be expecting a letter from the league. Tight, tight lips. Expecting a letter from the league for that, Song mister. by Loose Ships. That's how it goes, but loose lips sink, tight ships. Is it? I think I don't know. I think it's just the loose lips lips sink ships. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't know that they were tight ships. I don't think the lips have to be tight. Mm. Well, he said the ships were tight, like they're sweet, they're cool. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. Dope. That's a tight ship. Yeah. Right. 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 You know, the main. I know you got a tight buzzer beater for us. Mayflower's tight. (laughs) What do you got? So the last pod we were on, uh, we were talking about the Lewis Hamilton news of him potentially leaving F1. Any update? No update on that. God, that's going to state me. It is said Mm. that should that happen, the number one driver on Mercedes' list to replace him would be Daniel Ricciardo. Shut up, Doge. No. He would be. I'm so torn right now. It would be number one. You can't, dude. Do that. You you want them both racing? I, I know, I know. Torn. You want to be I'm able... not torn. I'm just like that's so exciting for Danny Rick. You know what I mean? He could win a world championship. He deserves a number one spot. And he's kind of like. I don't know if Mercedes would even treat him as a number one with George Russell. 
I don't. Yeah, who knows? Where does he It'd probably be the alpha, like, beta kind of thing they have with Lando right now, where each race, it's like whoever just starts off better is the, the best spot, but I don't know. Maybe it would be different, but either way, I'm with you, Doge. I think he could win a chipper. Listen, I want Lewis Hamilton driving in Formula One, but if he's not, man, that would be fun watching Danny Rick. Nothing would... I want to. I first of all, I love watching Lewis Hamilton. He's one of my favorite people to watch. Like he's why I got into F one because he was just so awesome. So I'll be bummed if he's not in it. But if you want to talk about things that I will root for with a burning passion, is Danny Rick and a Mercedes car going against old little whiny boy Maxi Verstappen <laughs> and Red Bull? I'm. So I would happy. love to have the Mercedes potty shits. Going on against the Red Bull, the red-hot, red-tempered Red Bull boys. I'm so happy that I'm finally with one of you guys on something for this pod. It's always a, a two-on-one, I feel like, for takes sure, or sure, yeah. teams or, yep. you know. The fact, because you weren't a, a Maxi hater in the beginning, like... I've always kind of not liked Max. Maybe you have, and just I was just, I was a Lewis guy, but I did like like. I just appreciated his season for yeah. sure. Like it was very impressive to see. The defining moment of what you just said though about whining boy. But he just yeah I just I don't know that that felt great that we share that in common. <laughs> even though you don't share the the Pat Mahomes take, you know, per se or. I will not share that. Take. Other takes that I may have. That take's just not the right one. It's <laughs> just a wrong take. Sorry. Huh? Hey, until it happens, if it's, it's right, right. If it's right, we got it on record, and it's gonna be a cool one to throw back at you. You know. You know, poor Pat though. Jeez, half a billion. <sighs> no more yeah. chips. That's yeah, could be worse. Like a hundred million. Sorry. Doge, dude. That's like very bittersweet news, you know? Like, very exciting, but also don't want to see Lewis go. I want to see him go. It's the best, worst news. Yes. Yeah, because that could be like, I don't even know who it would be, but it wouldn't be as fun as having Danny Rick over there. So I'm glad that we got that. Um... All right, I'll, I'll go here. I'll wrap up the show, boys. We are less than a month away. When I mean less than a month, it is creeping up around the corner, Doge. We're like two weeks away. Yeah. Like, seriously. A couple, couple weekends away. From FC Cincinnati kicking off their season February 3rd against old GM, old coaches team, the Philadelphia Union. So that'll be an interesting team. Mm. For us to go up against. Our first home game is just over a month away. February 26th against uh, Austin FC. So that'll be a cool game against them. So First matchup against them, right? Did we play them last year? I think... We played Nashville. We didn't play Austin. I thought we played at their place. I don't think they played here. If I'm not mistaken. Um, but... Either way, man. I'm excited to check that out. Let's get the Bailey fired up. Let's get this season going. Hopefully... Can add a couple more pieces here to start the season, or maybe uh, just some new coaching uh, can 
can get us to score some goals, get some home wins. So very, very exciting stuff. Looking forward to, you know, maybe getting getting some FC wins here early in the season. See what that's like. Huh? Yeah. Who knows? That would be awesome. I would love nothing more than to get a few wins at the beginning of the season. That just, was just that would make it better dead for last for like make right it better for us getting wins at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, that way we're not going for the spoon here. You know, fourth exactly. one, fourth one in a row. Let's try to avoid it. If we get it. And Charlotte FC, who's just entering this year, isn't the wooden spoon. We might as well just pack our bags and relegate ourselves. Because no, like, are we going back down to the USN? We might as well. Just dominate with a sweet stadium. It's a huge stadium, and we just win. <laughs> we never go up. That would actually be boring. It would suck, but, oh, man, we can't keep losing like we are. Ugh. So. Hey, it's a new season. The losing starts February 3rd, baby. Or the winning. Something starts February 3rd. Brand new blank slate. New roster, new team, new coach, new GM, new faces. New FC season. New results. Let's see what we can do. Hopefully it'll take us less games to get a home win. Boom. Mm -hmm. All right, well, Dill, thank you for uh, coming on the pod. We appreciate it, man. Thanks for hosting. Yeah, absolutely. Doge, thank you for being on. We appreciate it. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Uncle Tim, one last time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is The Clubhouse.